Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, the show where we try and talk about movies, but never talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Jack Hall. Also to my left... Dominic Phelan. To my right... Harry. <laughs> <laughs> and also to my right... Kiva Sweeney. Oi. Bam. What's up, can, everybody? Can we all not say that how good is it they have the sultry English man in the corner again? Our own, oh. our very own folk rock star. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> I'm so nervous. <laughs> I, you, you fucked back off the, where you came from for a while? I did, yeah. I went back to the civilised world and now <laughs> I've come back to the bog. <laughs> <laughs> hey, was your jaunt back home to Stevenage? Merry old Stevenage? Yeah, it was alright. It was quiet, but few lurid tales but I'm nowhere near drunk enough yet ready to tell so about Nair's time mm-hmm. well we'll get there we'll <laughs> <laughs> come back to that <laughs> we've done this with Kiva last week we'll do it with you too honey because again we haven't seen you since Christmas what did Santa bring was it a good Christmas Dominic oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I, thought, I thought you were talking to Harry then no 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 he was lost all about you just just some clothes just some clothes and a few books and pants and socks to last the next year. Did he buy some Ready new for the recharge. Did right? he buy some new product for that fabulous hair of yours? It's looking exceptionally good tonight, though, must say. Oh, this, is, this is just called the unwashed for four days look. Is that the, <laughs> the, the farm boy look? The farm, farm boy chic? F- with farm grease. Farm I see how I smell nice hair off you. Who's washed the hair today? It's <laughs> 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 just uh, for a second there, nobody had a watch today. Especially on podcast day, we should all fucking watch it. Like, no wonder in here fucking sticks. <laughs> <laughs> also, for the listeners, Harry put up his hands. <laughs> well done, Harry. You're a fucking responsible adult. Did you watch every day? But but look how short his hair is. It must be so easy. What might be the tongue of her stride? To the microphone, Harry. To the microphone. Uh, yeah, you're like, on an audio podcast, so don't raise your hand or not talk into the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> Got Harry Jess Tickling in the corner. <laughs> Jess Tickling? <laughs> Jess, <laughs> Jess Tickulating, I meant they say. <laughs> I thought you meant he was tickling his balls. Because <laughs> he's doing that too. <laughs> <laughs> he's basically sitting on your knee at the moment, like. Um, just a quick thing for Dominic as well. I was chatting to him uh, earlier in the week. Do you chat to Mickey when I'm not there? I do, yeah. Just once. Is he, was he your best friend? <laughs> About you. Oh! No, but we were just saying how, sh- well, I was saying how shit it was to be back at work and stuff, and Dominic said he went into work with a literal pile of shit waiting <laughs> for him. <laughs> Several literal piles of shit waiting oh, around for him. It gets worse. A pile of shit? 
Um, well, not like just like a dog shit. I mean, like a big, big puddle of shit. Big puddles of shit. Like Jurassic Park. Yeah, like Jurassic oh, Park. He's, he's not working <laughs> a call center, like yeah. <laughs> he's working a fire. It was all steamy and all. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big puddle of shit. It was, it was so steamy. It was actually getting sweet smelling. Oh, oh, you leave, you leave cow that. shit long enough, it gets quite sweet smelling. What? Mm-hmm. We don't need to know this now. Can okay. we have like a feed day <laughs> and you could take us to work? I, 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 I suppose so. Bring your random friends to work. Bring your <laughs> <laughs> we can investigate excrement. <laughs> I that. Dom, show and tell. This is my back kind of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to have a go? All right, here's one I've had since Tuesday. Give it a smell. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> all, 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 the, all the jokes aside, though, everybody, uh, my dog Tess died. When we got back as well. Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, man. I was going to bring it up and do like you could do a eulogy for the s- program. I spent four hours digging a grave for her, and then I put a pickaxe through a uh, pipe, so we flooded the garden as well. Oh, Jesus! You've had an awful return. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell! Comes in threes, as they say. The shit, the dog, and the pipe. <laughs> I mean, this is what happens. Don't worry. It's oh. fucking smooth sailing from here on. on. Yeah, right. 2016's your year. Yeah. New year, new me, as it they is, say. Yeah. And gossip mags. New farm grease hair. No, but I, I thought it smelled good and it looks good. There's one upside. Thank you. You're back with your friends. But That's an R upside. I just I did want to say to you, you don't you don't wash your hair every day. That's why my nah, hair looks so good. The, the, what is you, it, the follicles or some shit like that? There, the, the follicles. Well, you the sort follicles. of damage, damage your you damage your hair. Like you shouldn't. You should shave before you shower as well, because you wash off the natural oils that help lubricate the skin when you're cutting the hair out. I just said follicles, but did I make that word up? No, follicles. Follicles. Oh, follicles. It's not follicles. I was thinking molecules, wasn't I? I see, you I'm might, you might be thinking of... It's not science, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> it's washing your hair. <laughs> well, obviously it's a science there, but it's fucking dead. Because we can't do it properly. <laughs> um, Harry, how was your Christmas? It was eventful. Lots of... Lots of drink. Yes. Involved. Also making my house a and b for a while, there, would you, Harry? Staying with me quite a bit, which I enjoyed. And Sam will also charge me £10 per night. <laughs> <laughs> I did not! <laughs> Fucking shit. No did breakfast. Did he make you breakfast? Oh, I've been eating everything cooked by Sean Coyle. Sean <laughs> <laughs> Coyle doesn't cook. I no. do cook fucking dinner every night. Fast and I, I thought I thought science would be too hard. Uh, no, it's you a science s- I've actually mastered. S- you <laughs> said to me the other night you made a fish finger wrap. I was pretty intrigued. <laughs> you were all, it was so good. I was all, really? What I'm imagining is just one solitary fish finger in a massive wrap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we ran out of food in the house because it's that sort of post-Christmas lull when it comes to the grocery shopping and stuff. I was really eating fucking skint as well, so I was looking through all the cupboards and all that there, and I found three solitary fish fingers and a big, massive bag of wraps. Clattered it in red ding-ding. It was that bomb. I'm sorry. Anybody who's got something bomb. to say about that, Kiva? You gotta try this shit out. I'll, I will try it. Do you I'll not like fish fingers? I would rather it was like chicken. <laughs> yeah, see, I would usually go with chicken wrap, but what the fuck can you do for skint, you know what I mean? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to fish bring finger. up your finances. <laughs> fish fingers close, is the closest you'll get to chicken. Well, what about fish fingers and smiley faces? <laughs> chicken of the sea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fish finger fish. Exactly. So what, what was that like? Do you ever... What do you call that show Jessica Simpson is in years ago? Newlywed, some MTV oh, reality. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was very confused about tuna because it said oh, in the yeah. tone, like, chicken of the chicken sea. She was all, sea. so is it chicken? <laughs> <laughs> a wee bit. I was laughing at her, but I was all, is it? 
<laughs> really? She got, she got <laughs> confused about buffalo wings as well because like buff- she was like buffaloes don't have wings. <laughs> <laughs> see this whole chicken of the sea thing? I must have learned about science in school as well because like, obviously we're fucking useless on that. Uh, what was I going to say to in regards to the fish fingers? Aye, first time I bought it. I know I was. This is my fish fingers. You were doing <laughs> fucking spirit fingers, fingers oh, there now. That's my jazz hands. That's my thinking hand there, like, but. Uh, Bought a box of Birdsey for like the first time in about six years. Captain Birdsey looks very keen on that box. Like about too keen. Mickey, you're looking at me baffled. Well, you, you saying he's having sex with the fish? Or? I'm not quite sure, but he looks far <laughs> too happy to be on a boat himself up to the fish fingers. I'm not no, quite didn't sure he always have kids on the boat with I see, that was a dive. Like, <laughs> that was a more innocent time, Dominic. You could get away with that. No, I think we're just too cynical. That was one of those adverts from the 70s, though, Shane. Everyone was into uh, that yeah. kind of shit in the 70s. <laughs> it's very much Aww, in vogue. Don't tell me Captain Birdseye's on our shovel. Don't ruin my fucking shit. As long as Zippy from Rainbow ain't a pedo, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> or Neil Buchanan from Art Attack. Because but you remember him? Yeah, he's in a metal band as well. Isn't what? He? Yeah. yeah. Do you not know that? No. He tours with a metal band. Oh, what's it called? Hey, please don't tell me he does like art rock or something like that, performance pieces. No, I think it's just standard heavy metal. Oh, oh actually... Saying the words heavy metal, Lemmy died recently. Yeah, but apparently there's like a petition going about. Have, have you heard of this game? <laughs> You're not know yeah. that uh, uh, they've discovered four new heavy metals to be added to the periodic table. Oh yeah, and there's there's a petition to get one called uh, Lem- Lemmy or something. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know this. I was thinking of something else. Oh, what were you thinking of? Um, so apparently, I always just drank. Like Jack, like a bottle of Jack every day, yeah. and Coke yeah. with it. So now they're trying to. It's just from working in a bar. Um, when you order that, you're kind of trying to get people to start calling it the Lemmy. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> so can I have a Jack and Coke? Oh, a Lemmy. Yeah, oh, no problem. So to try and get it the. Do you know what? Sorry, I'll 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 go with both those things. <laughs> that kind of works. Uh, Lita's dad is a absolutely gigantic heavy metal fan. One of his favorite bands is Motorhead. Like, and he was. Devastated when Lemmy died, but was sitting in the car room yesterday, taking the dog to the vet. And I was all, ah, what we up today? And he was all, oh, I was just looking for a stream for Lemmy's funeral. Apparently, they're streaming his funeral. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> Sorry yeah, to God, like, yeah, they're like really, stream. really dedicated fucking motorhead fans. Yeah, you can't oh, have the People that love them. Yeah, exactly. One, one more quick thing. Uh, I'm, I'm getting married, and this seems to be the place where I tell marriage news. Oh. <laughs> marriage news. But, uh, no, Jill, Jill went today to pay the rest of the deposit for where we're actually getting married, so, like, the date's locked in and all air can go. So you're not actually aware when she's paying this money? So you're not quite sure if she's putting on the Swiss bank account so she can do her honour? No. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, that would she, be some good, like not good news, but like scandalous news. Yeah, that's, that's good. Excuse. Wedding news <laughs> this week: Jill's halfway across Europe. <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, so so she went down and gave in the rest of the deposit and stuff, and it was all put through. And then like somebody else came up there and was all like, "Oh, now that you've paid the deposit, like there's just a few more things we need to go through. Just like they organize for the day and all's here." So uh, the boy asked her, it's like, oh, so wait, what, what's the date of your wedding? And she said, 20th April, 2017. So the the boy looked up and he was like, oh, she goes, oh, wow. It's like, we have it down 20th April, 2016. Oh, fuck <gasps> off. You having a wedding a year early? So me and Jill are getting married in three months. What? <laughs> <laughs> are you taking a 
fucking hands. I know, I'm with you. Oh, oh my god! Oh, I got no, really excited, no, but this, really frightened. Too. I know this actually before. did happen, but they can just change it. Oh, <laughs> fuck! But if we didn't say anything, it would have been our wedding day. We wouldn't even know. My game would have to change it, but to you know, because see, as soon as you said it was three months, I was like, oh Jesus, I have so much to do. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I thought I had that year buffer zone. Because Jill, Jill said it to me, and I was like, are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that wasn't even like an over-exaggerated reaction. That was my general reaction, like a true fucking scream. Sean's <laughs> <laughs> like, I've got no speech. <laughs> 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 I've eyebrows tinted. Now you get me Sandra Payton on. Did you organise a fucking stag do? What would we done stag do? Well, uh, well I've been the night. <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking go mental. <laughs> on that note. Has that changed? No, it's no. Fuck. Why is it not saying the same shiver up your shiver spine up anymore? Your spine. Well, it, it had a little wobble in it and so it went danger. It's <laughs> 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 the remix, it's, it's, the dumb, it's, it's the dubstep version. It's the tape just running out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, Dominic? Well, it's, it's been a while, so it was my turn. I kind of re- regret buying it the minute I bought it. Mm. Why? What is it? Tell it's us. called Sunrise Ready to Drink. Pissang what? Cocktail. <laughs> Pissing Cocktail? Pissang. What the fuck's Pissang? Pissang Can I first of all say it? Sunrise. It's not an apt name. It's green. Should have been called something like Pinsy or something. It's like foliage in May, you know, when the sun goes that deep green sheen. Is, <laughs> is, the, is, the, is the drink green or is the bottle green? <laughs> I'm hoping the drink's green. Same here. After that beautiful discussion. Can somebody clarify? Can somebody Wikipedia this? What is Pissang? Because well, I am nearly sure the, list, the listeners are now going to start thinking we're making up these names. Let me explain it to you, mate. Oh. The clue is in uh, enjoy an exotic cocktail based on the sweet flavour of sun ripened bananas. Oh. Right, do you want the uh, greater detail? Go yes. on, man. We want the Pissang. <clears throat> Let me get the uh, that pissang mood ready for you. Palm trees, white beaches, the blue ocean, and a cool drink in the shade. <laughs> this is the life. Sunrise pissang cocktail conjures up the exotic taste of sun-ripened bananas in your glass. <laughs> thanks, thanks to Sunrise Classic Cocktails, you can taste paradise anywhere. Enjoy over ice or topped up with orange juice. Stool in a cool, dry place. <laughs> <laughs> Produced in Belgium. Ooh. Ooh. The, be- the Belgium's no idea. It's, it's 14.9%. That's not the worst I've ever heard. What? What is it? 14.9? Yeah, 14.9%. 14.9? Why would you? I don't know for a cocktail bottle, it's because usually I'd be about what, like fucking six or seven or something, like a cactus shakes. Like, but mm. no, in fairness, no cactus shakes is 15%. Hey, but that this is saying it's a cocktail, like a co- like, like a ready made cocktail is like <laughs> fucking 5%. Or That's really bloody drink. Aren't cocktails usually around 14 or sometimes 20%. Or if you're drinking an old fashioned, you're just basically drinking whiskey. Yeah. Yeah, but that's like a proper cocktail. I'm saying cocktails you buy, like the cocktails me and Kiva can, the canned ones, they were what, like four or five percenters on each? But maybe that's to do with the size of the can, and that's the size of a, I don't know how, I should really no, know percentage how percentage. <laughs> What's it taste like? I'll just pour a bit into your glass to see if it's actually green. Yeah, go for it. I bet you it's not. So no, am I going to have it a, does, you can see the bottles. Am I going to have a pissing vodka? It is green. Oh, it is green. Give us a go, give us a go. 
Oh, well, this is, well, I'm not going to get a proper test because this is up next to a vodka like fucking cream soda. This could be actually delightful. This could be really good. Yeah, what the hell do you It looks like creme de menthe. Doesn't it? But I, oh, I don't just know tastes like the it. fucking banana sweets, man. Those banana bubblegum you used to get as a wine. Yeah. You know those, That's nice. You know that banana sweet, you know how r- the bananas we eat uh, taste different to the sweets? Yeah. Is there a different type of banana? Like what? The, the banana flavouring that you get for the sweets is from a type of banana which is nearly extinct because some sort of bug just ripped its way all through the <laughs> banana plantation. Can, Can we, we just decide to eat it as sweets and it's nearly extinct? <laughs> ah, <laughs> what a treat. <laughs> I wonder if they'd done that with a dodo back then as well. Like, you know, I mean, dodo sweets. That's <laughs> why, you know, like a child's pacifier, they called a dodo, it used to be made out of dodos. Fuck off, is that real? No. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Jesus. Just Wayne's used to suck on dodo heads. Hey <laughs> <laughs> man, it was dark times. Like, I don't know what to expect. <laughs> this actually also, smells incredible. It, it is actually super nice. Also, can we, like, start a new feature on the podcast, Farm Facts with Dominic? Because he's fucking let out a few already. Can oh. we? What? That's lovely, by the way. Ah, it, it, is, is. it is nice. It's super banana All I've told you is just not wash your hair every day and... Uh, there's two different types of bananas. Two different types of bananas. <laughs> You've it, also it, talked it's about it's not really his farming expertise, is it? It's just things he knows. He's just a world weary man, really, isn't he? <laughs> knows the stuff. What did you think, Harry? It's lovely. Very nice compared to most of the danger battles I've tried in here. What do you reckon, Giva? It's pretty good. I'm not mm. the biggest fan of bananas, but it's pretty nice. You're not a banana fan? Not a banana fan. Okay, fair enough. Well the fact that you're saying that it's still nice, that's about what why did I make it yellow though? I think it would have had more of an appeal, more of character yeah, like, if it was yellow. Like no, but this this yellow. is the natural color of it. You yeah. don't want artificial well, color. Is it? Let's see. Is it though? <laughs> Obviously well, they, not. They it's do, fucking luminous they green. They like. say sun ripened bananas, and obviously, hey, and bananas are green. Yeah. Okay, what have we watched this week, folks? Folks, uh, I watched Room by Lenny Abramson, the guy who done Frank, just about a year or oh, two really? ago. I uh, know I didn't do that as well until I just IMDb after. It's uh, it's essentially mostly just Brie Larson and this uh, eight or nine year old actor called Jacob Tremblay. Now, before I went to watch it, because I was talking to Kiva out the back just beforehand, I didn't realize that it was sort of based on like the the Joe Fritzel case or the fact that he kept his fucking daughter Ooh. in a basement for years and years and stuff again. It's not like it's it's not about Fritzel, but it's like a reimagining of that sort of story. So, I was watching this film for the first twenty minutes, and it's. Brie Larson, she's a young mother and she's got her kid and he's uh, got very long hair and they're living in this very dingy looking house. And it's just, uh, for the first 15 or 20 months, like a slice of life. It's just them doing their thing during the day and playing games with each other and them having like baths and watching TV and whatnot. But there's just sawing a wee bit off. You know I mean? The, you're not seeing any windows and the kid isn't really talking proper English. He's talking English, but how he's using his grammar and how he's kind of putting certain inflections on words just isn't sitting right we so i was thinking what the fuck's going on here you know it's just these two characters it seems like an absolute hovel that they're living in and it's a minute room and then this guy comes to visit called old nick that night and it seems like i'm old nick old nick i'm old nick i'm old nick i'm old nick sorry how have i done anybody with a term of old in front of their name you have to go on the old greg boys like but he comes around at like night and uh has sex with Brie Larson's character and when I was first watching I was assuming right she's right down her luck and she's like a prostitute but she's putting her she has to like put the kid in that's really grim she has to put the kid in the cupboard while she goes and has sex with this guy but it's like a bed set so he can see everything that's going on she thinks he's sleeping but he's not he, he fucking watches and listens every night he doesn't really understand what's going on because he's so young 
but then it's only 20 minutes in that you find out that they've been in there for the past nine years and that kid has never seen daylight he's never seen the outside world because old nick is the Joe Fruttle of the story and he's kept him captive that's his child by rape basically and he doesn't take him on and he, they're trapped they have no life whatsoever so that just helped me like a fucking ton of bricks because I wasn't aware of that. I was like, Jesus, that's what it was. And it just drew me so much into the film. Like, it, it was a, a sucker punch to me. I don't know, because I didn't do a while lot of reading beforehand about the film, maybe it's more obvious to other people or maybe I wouldn't have as much effect uh, for people here watching it that do have that knowledge in mind. But un- unbelievable film. I think everything that's coming out of it now, and it's about like Carol, which uh, me and Kiva watched this week too, it's just got two unbelievable central performances. Brie Larson, I think she's looking like a shoe-in for most of the awards. Yeah. She's been absolutely excellent in everything she's done so far, but it's always been in a sort of supporting role. She's done Short Term 12, which was kind of one of her few leading roles. She was amazing in that. She was only like 22 or 23 when she'd done that. Uh, she was a supporting character. She was Amy Schumer's sister in Trainwreck recently. Yeah. She has done... Uh, she was in Scott Pilgrim. She was in Scott Pilgrim. She'd done The Spectacular now, but it's always been in small roles where she's got the show a buddier talent, but this is just... This is her film. This is her vehicle now. Like, they kind of hopefully go on the superstardom. Who was she in Scott Pilgrim? She was She was, she she was, was the girlfriend? The evil ex-girlfriend, or well, the ex-girlfriend who was in the band. Yeah. She was the, oh! yeah, she was the evil Demon ex-girlfriend. No, wait. Yeah, it was she's her. She's in the Clash at Demonhood. You know, she sings that metric song. Yeah, and, and the bassist who is okay, now her America. current boy, current boyfriend is now is uh, what's her name? Ramona's ex boyfriend, ex boyfriend number three. Oh, you I ever seen it? Remember. I love the movies. Movie. Oh no, I've seen it, but yeah. Oh it's, uh, yeah, Brandon, Brandon, Brandon Rice, uh, the vegan. But uh, she's unbelievable. In it, but one thing that I was very surprised at is. How oh, good this fucking child actor is, Jacob Tremblay. I mean, I think when they shot this film, he was eight. Now, I was kind of comparing to my wee brother, because my wee brother's eight. <coughs> and I would be astounded if, like, they, obviously, kids are fucking smart and they've got their own characters, but it's just phenomenal the talent that some children have. I think a lot of the times, we a lot of critics or we a lot of people who watch films and there's a child actor in there, obviously, that the kid gets a bit more of a pass or a bit more leeway because it's expected that they won't be as talented. And it's almost like they put on a good performance as a child actor. You just have to not fuck it up. You just have to be passable and people be always amazing. But this kid is actually just amazing. He's so good. Even that stuff that I was talking about before in the first 20 minutes when he's his grammar's kind of wee bit slightly off and stuff again. Even how he it delivers that, it doesn't seem forced or it doesn't seem like he's, he's putting it on. Because for a child having to read that script, he's probably thinking, and especially a child who's just learning to talk to you, probably, what the fuck's going on here? What do I have to talk like this? And it might have sounded glaring, I'm maybe overpronouncing it, but it just seems so natural. And that's just one of the... Like, the wee instances of this performance being unreal. He's got a couple of scenes, well, every one of the scenes is with Brie Larson, but he's got a couple of really tense scenes where they are starting to adjust to the outside world. And when they're starting to just kind of, it's it's not a spoiler because it happens 20 minutes in, but they do get out of the room and it's them having to adjust then. The main story is them having to readjust their normal life, especially uh, well, Jacob Tremblay's character is called Jack, the, the kid, but he's never seen Earth before. And the thing is, is that his mother taught him that there was a world, but it's gone. So any time he's watching TV, he thinks the people on TV are made up people. So then when he goes outside, he doesn't even know that humans exist, except him as man, old Nick. So it's just, so there's a part where it's just after they're in the hospital, getting treated obviously for shock and like a couple of injuries they sustained and breaking out and stuff like that. And he looks out this hospital window and because he's never even been up at a height before, he freaks out and runs back to the bed and just kind of hides. But it's just so, that part of the film is so well observed like picture you'd never actually seen earth before and you spend your whole life inside a box 
being told that there's only three people that ever existed and they just handle it so so well and they put that sort of strain or that sort of narrative responsibility on an eight-year-old was a big ask and he just fucking nails it and obviously Brie Larson's there they, they back him up way to him like those scenes even more well-rounded but it's just a fucking cracking show I think it's one of those shows that it was like Spotlight last week you know where I was saying that there's no real directorial flourishes or nothing like that it is all just about the story and the performances but you don't need directorial flourishes when the story and the performances are that good because you're just drawn in completely you know what I mean even I would I, I would actually say the story is that good and it's so well handled by uh, Lynn Abramson that even if the performances were half the power that they are now, it would still be outstanding. Like, really, really, really good film. Okay. Uh, Kiva, cheer me up. <laughs> All right, well, uh, this week I watched The Danish Girl. That's not going to cheer me up. <laughs> um, yeah, we, I cried. I cried. Um, Here we go. <laughs> see, th- sorry, just, this is the problem. So, um, <laughs> oh, but this, this is the problem is time of the year, like when all Oscar films are coming out, it's all just really heavy drama, and you're just like, for fuck's sake. As I've said before as well, with the Oscars, it's a comedy ghetto, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> no comedies are getting on there. But anyway, Danish girl. Um, the Danish girl, it's about two Danish artists uh, who are married, um, so there's um, Einar v- Wegner. Einar Wegner. It's loosely based on real life. So these are oh, real yeah, yeah, people. Yeah. Um, his wife, uh, Gerda, I think that's how you said. Gerda. That's what I'm going to stick with. Um, and <laughs> so he's he's, <laughs> he's um, in quite a good place in his career. He's uh, He's got dealers. He's showing in galleries. People are buying his paintings. Um He's got a quite an introspective style of painting. And his wife is, they met at art school. She's a painter as well, but she's not recognized. You, you're kind of getting the sense they're not taking her seriously in the in the galleries around in where it's based in Copenhagen. Is it because she's a woman? It doesn't necessarily say that, but you, they kind of patronize into yeah, her a wee bit and... You know, they're saying she hasn't got the right subject matter. So then you're thinking, okay, they might just be genuinely uh, being honest about there's Aye. no market for what she's doing at the minute. It actually might be like an aesthetic criticism as opposed yeah. to like a fucking piece of sex. Um, but they don't they don't really allude to, to either because I think it's you're supposed to just it's up to you know yeah. it's a person it's art anyway. It's yeah, people exactly. like different shit. And what time is it set in? I think it's like 1926. Yeah, nineteen twenty six. I didn't really. I'm mean, like, well, obviously back then the way culture was, it would be well, where the storyline I know was going. It would be fucking very guarded. I actually, yeah. assumed it was like the sixties or seventies. No, so it's nineteen twenty six, and uh, so they're in different stages of their career, but they have what looks like a really wonderful marriage. Um, they share a house which doubles as a studio, and they're very supportive of each other. Um, then. S- Okay, right, so the wife who mainly port- paints portraits um, is a painting for a ballerina friend or a dancer friend who can't show up one day for a sitting, but the painting has to be done. So she asks her husband, hey, can you put on the shoes and stockings, please? And he's like, yeah, no sweat. you know, they probably do this all the time to help each other, you know, pose for each other, you know. And Pretty like one of your Danish girls. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she asked him oh, I need to see the hemline. And he's like, I'm not putting on the dress. And she's like, oh, I didn't ask you to put it on. Just hold it up. Just hold it up in front of you. And he, I did the way it's, it's he, 
I I felt something when this happened. It's I think it's something to do with the close up shots and yeah. I don't know, but he has a an experience like something about looking at himself in in these kind of clothes makes him feel something that it looks like he's never felt before and he has kind of an epiphany it's really interesting like because i mean you would always assume that if, if somebody wanted to sort of cross-dress or maybe be transgender or transvestite it, it was always sort of on them but he just sort of has like a an he, awakening like. he kind of ha- yeah he has an awakening and i don't want to give too much away but he was the kind of pioneer well you kind of like i don't know how historically correct this is but he was the second ever person to attempt to, uh, to get a a sex change operation the first person never went through with it. They they agreed and never went through. And but it's very much a journey of him going to a lot of doctors who all want to lock him up. They have to move from Denmark to France because people think he's skits. This is a time when if you're crazy, they're locking you up. Yeah, and you're getting a fucking bolt in the temple. And um, is I I don't want to give too much away about the the plot line, but this is kind of what happens. But I think the the main pull for me is is his wife's well her really just he's like he discovers this has never happened before so the terminology is a bit loose but mm. she's a woman yeah. who was born a man and it's i can't imagine how scary that would be at the time 100%. they have nothing no reference point no even your your doctors are telling you you're crazy like what what are you going to think you're going to think you're crazy i i think even in like the society that we love and know even for people in that situation, there's still certain sections of society that would have that sort of mentality against it. It still must be scary. Oh, so yeah, definitely. Back then yeah. When it, it wasn't even a thing. He was literally creating this yeah. sort of so, well, not creating, but he was kind of one of the first to show this subculture, like or to try I mean? and find a maybe a solution to it. You know, very brave. And um, but I think my favorite character is his her has her well, it's his wife because. Well, you'll see. I'll give too much away if, if I tell anything, <laughs> yeah, but she's... Um, Just say Alicia Vikander. <laughs> she's amazing. Um, she, It's just a story about how much she loves this person. Like, a lot of, like if it was me, a lot of, I'd be like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like, I can't go through this with you anymore because it's, it's hard. Like, so. especially for her, I think, yeah, as much as he's trying to find... She's she's losing her husband. She yeah. she's going through this, knowing that she's going to lose her husband, yeah. but she loves him that much that she's this that she's go- that she does it, you know. And it's it's just beautiful. It really is yeah. like unconditional love. It's exactly like, what it is. That, that, sorry, that was the most interesting thing for me when I seen the trailers and stuff for it. That all right, do you have Eddie Redmayne's character going through this change and all? But the way you see her kind of reacting to it and that she just supports him yeah. because she loves him, it's an amazing thing that it was actually that way rather than, oh, you're mental or something, and she just leaves them or something. I know, it's, it's, it's really heartwarming. It's really, really nice. You think that you, if if every if everybody had a person like that in their life, I think we'd be, all be okay, you know? Yeah, 100%. And it's like, that's like the ultimate self-sacrifice that she does, like, because Definitely. she's willing to just give up everything that she loves, like her marriage and her husband and maybe like whatever sort of intimate relationship they have just so he can be she and be yeah. happy. You know what I mean? And, one more thing that I, well, there's a lot of things I really enjoyed about it, but as I was saying, her career isn't really as as well established as his. Um, it's, she's almost right at the start of her career. Question if she's ever going to have one, but as she starts to support, well, his name's Einar, becoming Lily, mm-hmm. um, she starts to paint her Lily 
a lot and that's that's her subject matter you know that's when she starts to get noticed and um there's parts where she's like she's questioning herself she's all did i did i make this happen to you did i and lily einar is saying no no he's after he had his kind of epiphany he realized his introspective painting and the way he was his whole life it, it lily was always there yeah. and and she just helped lily to come out which was probably the the greatest gift you could really ever give somebody excellent okay cheer up mickey it was was, was a bit heartwarming (laughs) (laughs) plus he looks like a girl (laughs) he looks like a mighty fine girl he's so pretty yeah he he has got feminine there's something about him that i just dislike but because <laughs> you hate women. Nah, okay. <laughs> Ultra misogynist. No, I think it's because a girlfriend really used to, an ex girlfriend used to really fancy him. So I took an I thought you were going to say, look like him. <laughs> Did that make you jealous, Dominic? Did. Very jealous. Very jealous. He's a celebrity. You can't get jealous of a celebrity. Yes, you can. <laughs> you can. I did. That's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the best person to get jealous of rather than a person you actually know. You don't want to get jealous of someone you actually know. That's ridiculous. Yeah, but you'd be really fucked up if you find your girlfriend fancy someone you know, like one of your friends, as opposed to like an unattainable celebrity that's never going to be in your life. Like, come on. Well, yeah, but. <laughs> Don't say that because, like, I don't want celebrities celebrities to be unattainable. (laughs) (laughs) You're still loving the dream, aren't you? I'm living the dream (laughs) until I die. Rooney Mara will be yours one day. Come on, please. Or you could could get out of Redmond and just decide what you fancy that day. (laughs) (laughs) I would. I totally would. Dress him up in whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) You can call him Lily. That's a good good comparison. Uh, Well, not a good comparison. Rooney Mara is a very interesting looking woman, and Eddie Redmond is a very interesting looking Man. Very angular faces, you would say. Mm. We should match them up. We should, we should. Up. do one of those face merges things. See what happens. Oh. <laughs> what would their I, baby I look like? Damn it! You talking about the ones on Facebook? I really don't think they're accurate. Yeah. <laughs> but there are there there is technology that does exist that actually works. I remember being at the. Have, I love that. It's like there is technology. <laughs> that what, what do you call it? The Millennium Dome. And there was this thing that you, que- well, everyone was queuing up for it, but you queued up for like 20 minutes and it showed you what you look like when you're like 80. What? And it was class. Well, I really look like my granny. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? If they've got the face-off machine down, like they definitely have that down. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You're just hiding it from me. <laughs> Harry, would you watch this week? One of the films I would like to mention that I've watched recently is Saving Mr. Banks. Ah, yes. Such a good show. Yeah, that was uh, added to Netflix recently. Uh, that's where I watched it. It's just one of them films that just decided randomly just to stick on because the day after Boxing Day, Shan's girlfriend Lita stuck on Mary Poppins. She did indeed. And then Shan just decided all of a sudden she goes, hey, come on, we'll back on my saving Mr. Banks after. <laughs> <laughs> Do the double bill. <laughs> <laughs> Do they, Day? Uh, no, it was Shan, how, how fucked were you at this I was so <laughs> fucked. I like, thought this way. I'd had two hours sleep because Kiva slept my bill, my girlfriend. Not in that oh. way. <laughs> so I was on the sofa. We have an understanding. <laughs> there's there's a bond there. He seemed about close the last time I said in There's a bond that never dies. It's all happening behind my back, isn't it? <laughs> but uh, I, I was really fucked up. And then I, I woke up the next day 
And I was thinking, right, I've been drinking all night. This is just a Netflix day for me. I'm just going to lie on the sofa and eat fucking junk food and just chill the fuck out. And then another friend of ours, Dan, who's been on this podcast a fucking couple of times, came down the stairs and immediately went, oh, Jesus, I, you know what? I need a wee leveler, Shandy, when I can. I was like, all right, fair enough. I'll take one. <laughs> Talk one. That was me until fucking 10 o'clock the next morning. It was Christmas. Come on. like, Keep But I really it. wanted to save Mr. Banks on. It's a lovely film. Keep it in good work. <laughs> <laughs> Keep one the Bennigans out there. <laughs> Sorry, work. <laughs> <laughs> Did you actually call in sick to uh, Well, I got Stop. covered. Yeah, I got covered. <laughs> and I didn't say I was sick, I said I was drunk. You got swapped. You got swapped. Save Mr. Banks. Help me with. Loved it. Oh, was that your first time watching it? Ah. Ah, right. When I, was suge- I thought you'd seen it already when I suggested that thing. No. It's class, isn't it? Uh, it's just, it's basically about the story of how Walt Disney convinced the writer of Mary Poppins. P.J. Travers? Uh, no, P.L. Travers. P.L. Travers? To... Uh, make Mary Poppins into a feature film. And, you know, the two main actors in it, Emma Thompson and Tom Hanks. Now, one thing, the two of them really stick out in that film. Big time. They're excellent. Like, uh, Tom Hanks is Walt Disney. It's perfect, doesn't it? Aye. And I would have never imagined, because I would never imagined if somebody was saying, oh, we're going to do a biopic of Walt Disney. No one would ever say it to me because I would say I'm not a Hollywood producer. But if like, you know, like but if someone saying, oh, we're, we're doing a fucking biopic of Walt Disney, Tom Hanks wouldn't be the first person they jumped in mind. But he, he just he would. That's I don't know. That's why I'm not a Hollywood producer. Probably. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not John one of these money men. Nah, not John Hammond. You know what? The Walden Tivy says know, John Ham can play. I know. The, the, the Ham line has now been fucking passed. Like I don't. I don't think he can quite do Walt Disney. No, Tom Hanks does it perfectly. He does. Like Here even does. the the smallest things like. The, the coffee he does before he go into the room yeah. because obviously he was a chain smoker yeah. so um, he had that habit of letting people know he was coming by doing a big loud cough or yeah. he would put he would never smoke in front of children and then and then one of the things that they still do in Disney World is that and you see him doing it in the film is that whenever they're pointing to anything he always uses more it's always two fingers or more that's right it's, see, but it's just slight wee character tricks like that they just pull it off and that, even if like he doesn't know that about Walt Disney then when you find out maybe even a month two months later just adds another wee layer to the film like keeps I, it. I actually find that out from do you know those random facts that just appear on Facebook yeah I find it <laughs> you know Walt Disney always pointed with two or more fingers just cause it um, he felt in some societies that point with one finger offends c- could offend some societies. What a nice guy! Look, there, there's one thing about say Mr. Banks that got a bit of flack, and it's just you could level this at any film about any period of history. It's made by Hollywood, but it's like the sort of Hollywood history thing. Apparently, the relationship between P.L. Travers and Walt Disney wasn't as amicable as it no. is in the film. But see, sometimes I can't look. I, I look past. It's not right to do it, but I look past it too because it is. You know, it's it's a sum of its parts. It is a Hollywood film and. It's been Disneyfied, like you know, it's, it was produced by Disney. Apparently, or, or not apparently, originally it was supposed to be an independent film, um, but then Disney took a keen interest, and there's a wee few wee cynics that came out and says, "Oh well, maybe Disney took a keen interest because if another independent studio did it, then they wouldn't have made Walt Disney seem as such a goddamn nice guy." Like you know what I mean? I well, when you have Walt Disney in a Disney film, he's going to be the nice. Oh, guy. he's going uh, to be the best man ever. Although, like, the, yeah. the, there are a few kind of wee subtle things that make him just seem just slightly a bit unhinged. Like he mm. wants everybody to be happy, and like he wants like there there is just we slight things that he, that Tom Hanks does that it it's they're obviously not going to go full on like he's mental, but like there's just a few subtle things in there that uh, if you kind of look into it more, like he did have 
things up with him. Yeah, well, I mean, like, he was, was a, he was apparently like a, like, a Nazi sympathizer, wasn't he? It was it, well, apparently he was, it was a fucking eugenics. It was a huge. Yeah. I think well, he was apparently a, a big anti-Semite and stuff like that, and an absolute megalomaniac. I think in many ways, though, the what does megalomaniac mean again? He has to be in control. That's everything. Just yeah, just shank on. Just but I mean, like, if you're if you're looking at someone like Walt Disney, who started what's probably one of the greatest entertainment companies or you know piece of industry ever, like you're going to need to be that sort of personal, that strong megalomaniac sort of personality. They start that, but uh, no, it's it's a great film, and as well. Colin Farrell's a standout for me. I yeah. think we talked about that before. Now you forget about him. Yeah. You yeah. forget about he him, but I think he's excellent. And then you realise that's not even like P.L. Travers wasn't even her real name. Yeah, I was like something keeps calling her Ginty. That's right. Yeah. That, but when they're in the, like the outback or something like that uh, in Australia, but I I just liked it because it's it's really tragic. The Colin Colin Farrell story is really tragic because you always assume when you watch Mary Poppins that it's like the musical and it's so happy and it's so Disney and it's very colourful and there's animation, there's singing, there's dancing, and then when you actually think that the source material of Mary Poppins is kind of based on her relationship with her father and the fact that her, her father was a pretty fucking troubled soul and was a buddy and alcoholic. When you see those scenes, and it's obviously a deliberate sort of aesthetic choice, that when you see the scenes in, like the, the Disney lot and stuff, like that, it's very bright and colourful and it's quite uh, happy and you see the music being made and then when it goes back to the outback, they use a different filter and it's a different colour palette and it just seems a wee bit darker. And even though Colin Farrell is like the most upbeat guy ever, it then starts to unfold that he's uh, hiding some fucking serious demons. Like, But I think he, he just <coughs> nails that in the head of I, trying to trap those fucking... I, but one of the things that a lot see whenever you see in films like you see alcoholic parents being assholes to their kids mm. that's n- not something that comes across in him and like he's an alcoholic yeah but he adores her yeah. and then it's the same with her she obviously adored him because she took on his name yeah you know and then you know realize you know toward the end her mum's sister comes over from England that's right and that's who she's based Mary Poppins off. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that she couldn't do, she was meant to come over and fix everything. Then mm. um, without giving anything away, she isn't able to fix everything. So that's where this kind of idea for Mary Poppins came about. Yeah, that, that fantastic element. Like, you know, you need somebody to come on and kind of sort your life out like that, aunt, that she expected. And plus she brought a big fucking huge bag with a lamp in it. <laughs> <laughs> Could she fly like with a fucking umbrella? You know what I mean? You have to pose these questions. But not. How else would you get to Australia? <laughs> I don't even know where they are. <laughs> so I got here the night, like across that peach bridge, no umbrella. <laughs> the, thing, the thing about a film, though, is that like Pale Travers have all has all these like demands, like oh, or like she doesn't want Dick Van Dyke in it, she doesn't want singing, she doesn't want red. Doesn't, want the, doesn't want the penguins. <laughs> and and you think. Everything she says she doesn't want is in the film, so what the fuck has actually happened? Yeah. I was, all in all, I was just reading about Save Mr. Banks today, uh, about the production of the film, and the whole reason that I was saying that, you know, it was very, a very Disneyfied history, and it, it wasn't like a fair reflection of what actually went down between P.L. Travers and Walt Disney, is that at the end of the film, uh, when they actually show the screen to Mary Poppins, you see P.L. Travers, Emma Thompson, she's fucking delighted, she's like, oh, they, oh, they actually done it right, you know, despite all my worries and stuff like that. When in reality, from what I was reading today, she was absolutely she devastated. She, she started she started crying during the film, but it was tears of sadness and not tears of joy. And she refused to watch it for many years. And I think she's seen it then, about 20, 30 years after, when she was like a, a much older woman. And she then kind of done a bit of a retrospective and says that she did enjoy many elements, but she was still 
pretty fucked off but like which kind of put a bad test in my mouth because you just, you want to believe the dream you know what I mean you want, you want to believe the Disney version like but you know it's well they, they just cut out the 20 years in between <laughs> <laughs> they just like, she, she liked it eventually yeah, it's <laughs> a bit disappointing because I don't know about you but Mary Poppins was very much a, a big part of my life growing up I mean I've we used to just sing the songs off it you know my granny had a tape in the car of all the songs like all you know it was a very happy time in my life yeah. and it's not nice to know that the kind of creative mind of it wasn't wasn't, wasn't happy like with happy with it but I mean I think that's obviously really fucking sad but then at the same time oh, it's the beauty of the story it's so yeah. well loved and yeah you kind of balance yeah. it because all them with the joy childhood. Yeah, exactly. she had had it the way she wanted it probably wouldn't have been as happy I don't think so because she more that's why she kind of clashed with Walt Disney so much she wanted it to be more like a sort of not a cautionary tale but you know a, a lot more kind of gritty if you can call Mary Poppins gritty whereas obviously Walt Disney wanted to make it a family film and I don't know you have to balance it up fair enough she's the creator and she should kind of have you know as much say as possible in the production but at the same time she, she signed the rights over and then when Walt Disney want they change it I okay fair enough maybe it's not the most respectful thing but it's not like an end of change they made a fitting they were for the better in better, my opinion yeah. because he made one of the most beloved family films of all time Definitely. let's give fucking joy yeah. millions and millions of people So or if you look at someone like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory Roald Dahl and like yeah. that version of the film but they, but I'd say that's more so because it goes darker and makes Willy Wonka yeah. a mentalist, basically. Right. <laughs> Cracking comparison, that's, that's the polar opposite. Like, yeah. I mean, it's the very same sort of setup. The way you but put yeah, that, um, um, I feel better about sacrificing her happiness for mine. I sacrifice. Fuck you, P.O. Travers. She just needs a wee spoonful of sugar. Helps that fucking medicine go again. Right. Say medicine, also, I mean, all that fucking money. That's what I was going to say. When I say medicine, I mean them Walt Disney dollar balls that she fucking got chucked <laughs> at her. Fucking keep her warm at night. <laughs> <laughs> How do you sleep at night in a bed of money? She says. Uh, this week I watched The Revenant. Bang. Starring Leo DiCaprio. Why did you instantly grab a knife when I said The Revenant? You're <laughs> not in The Revenant. Did you not hear it before you came in? Uh, Dom has obviously this got a is, classic this is, podcast This is knife. not a knife. This is a needle. <laughs> <laughs> and I will pop any balloon which comes up with spoilers in it. So be oh, okay. careful what you say. Because I don't usually get that pissed off about films being revealed to me. And when he not says one, balloon. Breslin, yeah, what does he mean balloon? He means your eye. Oh, okay. oh. So be very careful. Spoilers. Okay, well, I have one spotter to tell, so... Uh-oh, you're going to stab <laughs> No, I'm only joking, I'm only joking. Right from 999, somebody now you just saw it here on time. <laughs> um, okay, Leonardo DiCaprio's in it. Yes. <gasps> <What>? <laughs> Do you know what, though? I'm actually starting to shit myself because I don't know how little or how much Dom knows, so you could say I this know. is like a game of fucking... You're on thin ice here. I know nothing. No, I'm waiting for it to come out. No, but I mean, screen. no, but I mean, like you know, so little. Like even when you says Leonardo DiCaprio, I was all, is he going to stab him? Like <laughs> he doesn't want any sort of I've spoiler. Seen, I've seen the trailer multiple times. Right. Well, okay. Well, I won't say anything that isn't in the trailer. Okay. Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hardy, directed by Alejandro Giannato. Very good. Welcome to my world, Mikey. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. Um, good. yeah, it's a it's a stupid. Stupid good looking film. Mm. It's just ridiculous how good looking it is. You just fu- fuck whatever the story is. Just fuck what anybody is doing. Just stare at the screen for two and a half hours. <laughs> it's like it's just beautiful. It's just it just, just draws you in just by how good looking it is. Like. Where were the main wilderness. locations for it? This no, like, this no idea. <laughs> 
and this was so interesting. And I think it looks so untouched. This is yeah. exactly this. What yeah. kind of made there's, me so there happy? There are lots of parts of America which are still, especially the parts like Montana, South Dakota. Yeah, very empty parts of sort of the Midwest of America. Maybe it's, it's in Canada because it's even less sparsely populated. Did I hear? Al- why am I thinking Alberta? I yeah, that, that's yeah. that's what made me so happy of how unbelievably beautiful it turned out because that was like a kind of pretty troubled production because Inaratu is your classic hot-headed and in many ways sort of prima donna director and he demanded that they go up to like the most northern untapped regions of Canada where no film crews ever went before because he knew how sparse it was and how beautiful it was and they were thinking for a long time they obviously knew the film was going to get done but they were thinking oh is this going to end up an absolute mess because they were going up there apparently a couple of times and you've seen that Tom Hardy kind of had a bit of back and forth with Anaratsu. There, there was a couple of arguments on set because Tom Hardy didn't, and this is Tom Hardy's you know, game for inning. He felt that, you know, even he felt that how north they were, some of the stunts he was doing weren't safe enough, and he actually thought that he might die doing some of the stunts because they were so far from any sort of fucking population. They were properly in the wilderness, like, you know what I mean? So... I was really suck happy then. Suck it up, then. Tom Hardy. I suck mm. it up, Tom. You can sit in a car for an hour and she had a bit of fucking... They've got a medic a little bitch. <laughs> but, like, I think after all that and after all the sort of flack I was levelled at, oh, is there any necessity in going this far and is it just in around you trying to prove that he can do something nobody else has done? You know what? It really paid off because it's astounding. Like you say, it's it's like just like a visual fucking... Po- it's like a, f- a postcard on film. You know what I mean? Yeah. The it's needle is happy so far. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like the the actual story of it, it's it's pretty basic story. Right? I mean, yeah. you, as, as I said, you can pretty much fuck the story out the one. Like yeah. you just stare just at basic this. revenge stories. Yeah, it? it's base. It's mm. a basic revenge story, but uh, there's there's some like okay, you see this in the trailer, Dominic. Leonardo there's DiCaprio a gets attacked by a bear. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that that whole bear attack is just brutal as fuck. Right? He got injured by a bear in real life, didn't he? Did he? Yeah. Leo? Yeah. Is this why he did this film? <laughs> no, I mean, while they were, they were filming the bear attack, it actually... Oh, is really? this more of a documentary? Yeah, it's <laughs> fucked him up, yeah. Starting to turn into a guerra. Right? Starting to sound like a fucking Herzog film. Like. <laughs> I also think that the the bear scene was one of the few CGI shots. It is, I The rest is all natural. But even the CGI but even, the bear, I, even the way it's done... I mean, like, if you're being super pedankity... The the bear isn't a hundred hundred percent convincing, like. Yeah. But the the way actually Leo's moving and the way they they did whatever way like somebody must be like throwing them about or whatever, all that's really convincing. The way he's actually being like tossed about and fucking grabbed and cut in all air, all that's really good. But you're being super panicky. The bear's not hundred percent in my yeah. eyes, it's but it looks still looks really good. <laughs> the only reason I think if there was slightly more CGI, not that I want. Not that I want that, but if there was, <laughs> it would be less standoutish. Yeah, I know. It's you're, just because you're exactly everything right. else is like because so like, they, could, they couldn't Rio. get an actual real bear. They fuck Leo. Well, well, they did. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure there was. I remember reading how they didn't get a real fucking know, bear. He got injured on set because there was a, a few bits that they had to do with the bear, and he actually got hurt. By I a guarantee, and Arati would have pushed that. They tried it, and Leo got a scratch. He's like, "I'm not fucking doing this. Making an actual bear." Sign the contract, Leo. I think we should do this right here, right now. Get the iPad out and find out if, if somebody got hurt by the bear. Somebody get the iPad out. So somebody get the fact it. checker out. All right, okay. iPads downstairs. We can confirm it next week. Though. What I love about that bear scene too, which has to go in as well, if not the best scene of last year, is, and it's a big stipple of Anaratu's work. You know, the one shot and not cutting away, just these long tracking shots. Is that 
even though it is a CGA bear, it's the whole attack in one. Doesn't cut once, and like it's so because I remember it's me and hard. you were me, you and Heron were sitting watching, and we had our hands there. And like, and I, I, I never really react like that. The films because by this point you've kind of seen it all. Like you know what I mean? Like you can watch even a fucking the worst Gorno, and you're never gonna be like. Ugh. But it's, I think it's because when, when you're watching Gorno and you've seen it before, you know that it's so over the top and and the, the gore so over the place that it it kind of stands out as being unrealistic. But this was so natural and it seems so realistic yeah. that you were like, fuck, what's going to happen? There's, there's, a, there's a rawness to the whole film that yeah. it it you just it feels so yeah. natural and just, just like an open wound, <laughs> basically. Big time. Big time. Which Leo has for most of the film. <laughs> Several of them, yeah. it seems. But it's even talking about Leo and obviously there's this sort of running joke now about you know, him not getting his Oscar and stuff like that. If he doesn't get it this year now, it's because he he's is just, still not getting it this year. If he doesn't get <laughs> it, then there's a conspiracy. There's yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> he needs to do one of those sad, sad films. What what is it? What's eating Gilbert Grape? Yeah, he should have. That was really he, good. Yeah, he was too young films. back then. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, like, I don't know. His competition this year is pretty. I wouldn't say weak, but it's it's in the best actor categories. It's actually a wee bit weaker this year than before because. Fastbender for Steve Jobs is a good performance, but it's a pretty poor film. Brian Cranston and Trumbo is a good performance, and Trumbo. it's a good film. Trumbo. Uh, who else is in there? Somebody else. And no, nobody from Spotlight, or are they all kind no, of? No, they're like more ensemble. Uh, Eddie Redmayne, but I mean, again, I, I suppose hey. I haven't seen the Danish girl. He might be excellent, but I think it'd be hard I think to she. I think, if anything, she it's, would get support in. Yeah. Well, um, she's been nominated for a couple of Best Actresses and some of the, the, the Critics Awards and stuff like that. It's really good. Though. But I think but, a pretty uh, Larson from Room seems to be scooping everything. Oh. But Eddie Redmayne as well, like, it's it takes a lot to get back-to-back Oscars. Like Only two men have done it. Tom Spencer Hanks. Trissy and Tom Hanks. Both the same age and they've done it too, like 60 years apart. Oscar facts. What, what, age, <laughs> what, what age was he? 37 for the first one, 38 for the second. What age is Eddie Redmayne? <laughs> Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> Dude, he's a lot older than what he looks. He's like 33. There's no way. I swear to fuck. I, I, know, he, he, I know he is older than what he looks. I always he looks like 30 30 yeah. 32. 32. 32, yeah. I knew he was in his early 30s anyway. But yeah, even going off at uh, back to DiCaprio's performance, he is fucking unbelievable. And what's even more impressive is he is unbelievable. And in a two and a half hour film, he's got about 15 lines of dialogue. Yeah, there's not much. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the fact that he can get through most of that film through just grunting and fucking pain and stuff like that, that just shows the strength of the actor. That you know to be crawling about yeah. in the, the middle of the muck or the middle of the snow and have nothing, have no dialogue they work with, which is one of an actor's main tools, and it's all body language and it's all facial expression, just to express the pain and like the fucking hatred of trying to get back the, to Tom Hardy. The the thing for me with Leonardo DiCaprio as well, maybe it's just because he's such a big name, or I don't know, it's like he has a well kind of bibbyish face on mm. him. Like when you see a Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio film, though you're always aware it's Leonardo DiCaprio and I think you lose that a bit in this like not 100% as I was I was still thinking oh fucking Leo's fucked now like you know <laughs> I mean? but, like I couldn't tell you what his, his name was in the film like, I can't remember that <laughs> like, Hugh Glass ah Hugh, oh, fuck. Hugh Glass that's right Hugh that's right because it's based Pulled on that out of your ass <laughs> no do you your know what she's actually ass. right Hugh Glass Hugh I've been on a tie Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think may- maybe because he just has a big beard on him or whatever. But the roughness of the performance, or whatever, I did. I lost that kind of Leoness of it all. He, like, I think he's an amazing actor. I'm not saying he does the same thing over and over again. It's just I'm always aware that it's Leonardo. DiCaprio. No, 100 percent agree. And I think it, it should be a topic that we maybe pick up at a later week. But it's the whole thing about star power. It's the whole thing where we were even talking about a few weeks ago that if you see 
uh, Tom Hanks or Robert Downey Jr. They very rarely play characters. They're just playing themselves. They're just being them. Mm. There's not really much for them to do. Well, not Tom Hanks. Come on. No, but Tom Hanks, when you actually look at it, I mean, I'm not saying he's an unbelievable... He was Walt Disney. <laughs> oh, Jesus, no, sorry. Again, I meant Tom Cruise. <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> almighty. Jesus, I keep doing this. Sorry. Tom Cruise. Obviously, Tom Hanks very versatile. I, I was, was going to say, I was like, what are you on about? You should just say sorry to Tom Hanks. Right? Sorry, Tom. We love you. We do. We really do. <laughs> fuck you, Cruise. We, hey, we really... Fuck you. Fuck you, Cruise. <laughs> but, uh, we like Tom Cruise as well. Yeah, we do like him too. He likes a bit strange, do not he? <laughs> 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 Says the man, eat, drink in a fucking green banana drink. With a knife in the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a knife, it's a needle. <laughs> I don't believe my body's possessed by the dead souls of an alien civilization from millennia ago, though. <laughs> Written by a sci fi writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one question about the Revenant. Yeah. yeah. What does Tom Hardy do in it? He's well, the, we he, can't. He's the I'm, I'm, well, well, he's, he's, he's the, the baddie. He is uh, the antagonist. Uh, he, he's he's the one that leaves Leo after he, the. He leaves him for dead, basically, and then Leo's man. well upset. Oh, he's please. well upset. <laughs> so you fucking cunt. You, you fuck left my boy. Me out you fuck my boy, Hardy. Fuck <laughs> 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 my boy. <laughs> but even like it's a hundred percent. It's something that we should go back and leave that. Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Cruise, not Hanks. I cannot believe I made that mistake for a third time. Yeah, I mean, watching films my whole fucking life, and I still get fucking Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks. You're getting, getting granny itis very know. early. Yeah, I'm starting to do it very, very fucking. <laughs> night. Have you ever been on a film together? No, I don't think so. It's a weird one. Anyway, I'll I'll, I'll it to this really quickly. Tale of it, it is that whole star power thing. It's that the whole thing. Can you open a film? Tom Hanks can open a film. Brad yeah. Pitt can open a film. And fair enough. The likes of Brad Pitt and Tom Hanks still actually take characters. Tom Cruise and let's say Robert Downey Jr. and stars like I kind of play themselves. The character was not one for that, but it doesn't even matter about them playing themselves. Even if they are doing characters, you're always just aware of their past films, and you're always aware of the celebrity that sort of surrounds them. And yeah. it's really hard to pick through that layer, even if they're playing the most convincing character of all I, time. But particularly with Leonardo DiCaprio, like he doesn't even really do like interviews or anything, yeah. so he doesn't even really embrace the whole celebrity. Exactly. I like but it's, style. It's just the fact that you know so much about him, and he's been the yeah. public guy for so long that he doesn't even have to do interviews. It's just this big. You just of, know him. This <laughs> celebrity. So you would say like it's a celebrity skin around the film. You know what I mean? And it's kind of getting past that then they actually get to the room yeah. of the character without the, the sort of the gossip mags and all the interviews kind of clouding your vision of that like I think that must be harder again for the actor big time yeah if you spend the majority of your energy trying to get a good performance prep for the role but then again you have that added element of right okay people know who I am so I need to try and shed that as quickly as yeah. possible even that as well but if you're a big actor or you're making fucking say 10, 15, 20 million dollars a film too there's there's more expectancy there's more pressure on you to actually put out a great performance and I think that's why it's very very hard for a leading actor or a, a leading actress to stay at the top for so long because there's so much pressure goes along with and I think that the ones who've had that longevity Hanks, the crews, the you know the putts, the fucking uh, DiCaprio's even giant up, even though he's taken a bit of a wobble recently. I, I think they're at the top of the game. And they've been there for so long because they are the most talented. There Very is, good, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. it's no coincidence that they've been able to stay on top. Fair enough. There's a raft of unbelievable actors out there who've never been as big as them, but that's probably more down to like their choices, film ways, or what yeah. films they want to do. Like I would say, the film Seymour Hoffman was just as talented as any of them but it's just kind of down to the films that he wanted to make you know, he he died yeah and he died as well that's what kind of cut his career in half um, one one more quick thing about The Revenant I, I did really enjoy the film but 
have a I have a criticism of that. Well, a criticism, but I also kind of respect why they did it. Is uh, after like basically when Leo's on his own and he's he's been fucked up by the bear and all his hair. You have his recovery period then. Yeah. And I I was just thinking as I was watching, I was like, this isn't going to be the kind of fucking thing where like a couple of days later he's fucking sweet doing fucking Star jumps. Yeah, uh, <laughs> doing fucking high kicks off a fucking mountain or something. You know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> don't even know what that means. No, but I really had a image in my head. <laughs> I had this, I had this image of just him high kicking nobody, just diving off a mountain in a ninja pose. Held perfect posture. Yeah. Freeze frame lands, in the middle. Lands like an elf on the snow. <laughs> Not even an imprint on it. <laughs> lands like fucking Lego legs. Yeah. <laughs> But Leo last sorry, gonna add Oh, <laughs> oh baby. Pretty good. Yeah, wasn't it? Um Yeah, so the, I, I just had that thought, but they actually give a lot of time. They oh, like Leo Glass would have been even better. Sorry, gonna add <laughs> <laughs> Oh fucking hell. Oh, you me. stop me drink with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that I had that thought, like, oh, is he just going to be better in a couple of days? But they actually, they, they give a lot of time to his actual recovery, and, like, he's, he's fucked up for most of the film. Like. And I, I appreciated that they actually gave that amount of time of the film to that. Yeah. But in saying that, I think they gave a bit too much to it, and I think it, it was too slow in that in that time, and they, they could have given more towards... They couldn't give... They could have given more of the time just... They have more at the end because I think the end is a bit rushed. Then it's, it's not. I don't even think the end's rushed. I just think that the end's a wee bit too short. Whereas there's some portions of the film that are too long. Yeah, like I think even with that film, though, you could have. You're 100 percent right. Like that's, that would be my only criticism of the film too. You could have chopped. I'd say about 20, maybe 25 minutes off the film where it is just I'm kind of lying about fucked, and you do get the picture. And fair enough, it looks very beautiful and that, but you're kind of hitting the same narrative points. And even for the most dedicated cinephile, it would get a wee bit tiresome. You know what yeah. I mean? But that's what I'm saying. Like, I appreciate that they tried that, but it's yeah. a bit too much. I know it, it's definitely it's it, you can definitely commend it, but maybe just trumpet down a wee bit. But you're right that the last sequence it just feels like considering he's went through so much, yeah, to get the Tom Hardy and he is burning a rage and the whole film is literally just him trying to get the Tom Hardy again. It just doesn't feel like the payoff that it should have been. But then at the same but he, time, but maybe, even like more stuff with like Donald Gleason and stuff like yeah. that as well. Yeah, I think he could have had more of that in there. But I mean, maybe it is Inaratu trying to be exceptionally... I mean, like, he's going for ultra-realism, and, you know, in the real world, if you're having, even if it's weak, kind of fucking access and stuff like that, an actual scrap between two men, it's not going to last that long, because you're going to tire out very quickly. I was about to say, I think, yeah, I get what you're saying, like, it, it, is, it does get quite tiresome in bits, but just think how fucking tired mm. Hugh Glass is, and I think, is that I'm trying to get you there? Yeah. And then at the end... Not giving it, you know, when you're saying that, yeah. but could have been longer. But I mean, there wasn't enough of a payoff, but is there ever really? Yeah. You know, once you really get to what you really want, is it what you really want? And no, that's, I, that's I, on the I was, too. I, I oh. wasn't saying, though, that like that specific bit that you're referencing from the end of the film that we can't mention. I love how cool it's getting. I feel yeah. like I'm the fucking SAS as well. <laughs> That I'm gonna let it slip. Like, like, like. I, I'm not saying that bit could could have been long. That, I'm not saying that bit could have been longer. I actually think that is really well done. And what you're saying about the actual payoff, like, is there really a payoff or is that just life kind of thing? Like, I actually really get what you're saying there. I'm just saying, even from, like, if it's, I'm trying to say this, good from when Leo 
from the start of that bit, if you know what I mean. Right, so let, he's, <laughs> he's battling nature for the majority of the film. Yeah. yeah. It's man against nature. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just... The only thing I'm just, that's uh, making him beat nature is his desire for revenge against yeah. this other man. So when he finally reaches this other man, it's it's over in quite a bit of a flash. Yep. Which is maybe what the whole point of this. Yeah, that, that's the point. I mean, me and Mickey, no, but, uh, me and Mickey are I'm saying, that right. Okay, all I'm going to say is when it goes into the third act and you, there's a very distinct third act bit there, mm-hmm. not just the bit that me and Kiva weren't talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk about none. But uh, I just think that third act could have been actually had a bit more in it before the bit that me and Kiva didn't talk about. Yeah, that's, a, that's what I'm pretty much trying to say as well is that not the actual end fight or whatever the what hoo-ha not the, not, <laughs> not the old hootin' not the old hoo-ha beep 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 not the hoo-ha because I think not that the wee pow they had I think, I think the pow then <laughs> that, that's, that's expertly judged because there's a theme run throughout the whole film of revenge and as it ever needed and like Dom was saying there now too once revenge comes it's gone in the flash and then it's that sort of thing when you get revenge it, there's a very empty feeling because was it ever actually worth it and that is handled beautifully in that final scene because it's not just sort of Hollywood revenge at the end where there's this big punch up and it's a big beat down it, it's it, very realistically handled and it actually seems sort of sombre and subdued at the end after well what has happened has happened it doesn't seem triumphant you know what I mean it doesn't It doesn't seem like it should be celebrated it's it's nearly like by the end of the film your question was it worth watching that film Exa- <laughs> 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 fuck <off. laughs> fuck <Ryan>. <laughs> <laughs> But I do get what you're saying though with the final act with Donald Gleason and yeah. the, the the sort of camp and stuff again. Like I would like, I just would have liked maybe Hardy even to be fleshed out a bit more because Hardy I, just kind of seemed like an afterthought. Cause Not he, an afterthought, he, but he, you know what I mean. He gives a really great performance, but he doesn't actually get much time to kind of show it off. Uh, he doesn't get much to do basically. Yeah. you know what I mean. And he should have more of that. But pretty much, I the only criticism I have is maybe try and chat maybe ten or fifteen minutes off and maybe like flesh out when when he finds out when Leo's alive. Yeah. It, like there could have been more for him to do after that but yeah. he doesn't really yeah I suppose but then maybe you're looking at it and you're thinking is it Naratu trying to make him like actually I fucking hated this film it's been a shit <laughs> 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 my joke it's class film you should watch it yeah. or oh. just just have it on the wall constantly as a piece of art aye like a funny, <laughs> just have it as a funny one still yeah. Yeah. you know those like photo frames you get that like flip through uh, you know like a slideshow <laughs> just have that on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine I think it'd be good Instead of a fish tank, like, you don't have to feed it. You just got to give it electricity. Just a man getting mauled by a bear every now and again. <laughs> on repeat. <laughs> and that's what but, only their lives like. No, but well, the, 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 the bear mauling scene would come up at really interesting points in time. It would like <laughs> feel like... Dinner. All, like <laughs> Christmas dinner. <laughs> I was like, everybody just starts eating their dinner and you just hear this bear. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. It's you're just hard. You're holding a wake at the house. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. coming For in a man that was mauled by a bear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, Dominic, what have you watched this week? Right, okay. Um, as you all know, I'm a man with a very deep pioneering spirit. So yes. I found myself... A vagabond, an adventure? Far, far away from home on a, a dark and grey night with a cheap bottle of white wine. And so where else could I be but go to a travelodge <laughs> on a school night on a Wednesday night? And what else could I watch? Austrian art house cinema. <laughs> yes. I'm so confused by what you're talking about already. Is this, is this your your novel? 
Like it's, <laughs> it sounds like an opening page. Sounds it does sound like the first chapter, doesn't okay, it? Okay, basically, I travel found, lodge blues. I, I, <laughs> I found myself in a travel lodge on a school night with a cheap bottle of white wine. So, the only thing that was on at half two in at night was Austrian art house cinema. Was this BBC Four managers? No, it was Film Four. Oh, oh of course. Was it Film Four or was it BBC Four? No, it was Film Four. One of the fours. <laughs> one of the fours. And it Talk, was sorry, one more second before you go on talking about cheap wine. I brought some cheap wine. What? <laughs> you want some? I don't know if it was my turn or not. Yeah, I'll have some cheap wine. Hold on, hold on. What's happened to the uh, danger bottle? Here? <laughs> <laughs> we got two. You've, you've been usurped. What's this called? It's called Racco. Oh, I thought it was called Rico. Is it actually, actually, is it oh, no, what there. It's called Rico. Is it wine or wine based? Uh, it's had, a Cabernet Sauvignon. Hang on, hang on, hang on. It's a t- 2015. Feel, feel, feel the ridge. I think I must just have. How's that uh, ridge feel? It has, it has a good hole and everything. I was recommended it by the guy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. In the Don Bar. <laughs> I was recommended it by the boy in the, the bus shelter. <laughs> um, he said um, you could get these three for a tenner or this one for a fiver, and Ooh. I said one for a fiver. It's got a good deep. You should got three for dinner. <laughs> he said they were crap, and he said that Original. one was less crap. I like it. I know. I'm actually quite excited about this. Sure, we'll open up this red wine and let it breathe while Dominic tells us about his adventures. Okay. Well, as I was saying, I was stuck in a travel lodge. Like <laughs> Late one Wednesday night with cheap white wine. And I put on Austrian art house cinema. It was called Paradise Hope by Ulrich Sidal. Now, because it's art house, there wasn't really like a, a major storyline. It was basically teenage girls in a fat camp somewhere in the Alps. And it was just long sort of... S- Long cinematic pieces, not Me- so much meditative, meditative maybe, contemplative, contemplative, reflective, reflective. But it, it, <laughs> Chuck, I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out masturbatory. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. Well, it was a bit strange. Now you mentioned. Uh, oh, it doesn't matter. Because these are very sort of obese women. Well, obese young women. Like going to a fat camp, you see scenes of them exercising and like in a very regimented sort of almost army style way. They're singing songs, just long shots of them doing that, nothing else going on. Then it just goes into shots of the girls in their dorms 
just chatting the kind of banal, inane stuff that all teenagers talk about, whether they're male or female, it doesn't matter, you know, just, just going about their everyday lives. Now, the main character, she's sort of, she has sort of a sexual awakening. Now, this is, I think this is central to the film. She has a sexual awakening with the man who runs the camp. So, immediately, maybe halfway through the bottle of wine, this is where I shout, oh, oh well, fuck me, there's some Fritzel shit going on out now. Or as I'm not traveling, talking to himself. People in the next room are all, what? Yeah, like, he's screaming it, and they're like, wow. Because you're watching and you think, oh, no, it's not going down that path. It's not going down that it's, it's going down that path. They literally walk down a wooded path. She's walking away. And he's following her, and she knows she's being followed. She likes being followed. Yeah. Now, they they meet up, and he's probably following her, thinking because he's I'd say he's a middle aged man, thinking, oh, well, I know where this is going to lead to. But because she's only at her sexual awakening, she's obviously felt the sort of adult attraction to somebody for the first time, but she only knows how to react like a child. So she just sort of grasps him and cuddles him. Then you can see him realize, oh, what, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. So the, the the rest of the film is her trying to get him, and he's spurning her advances. But it's it's main. It's I didn't realize at the time, but it's actually the third final part of a trilogy, the Paradise trilogy, as Auric Seagal called it. So I think if you'd have to watch all of them, because. The, f- the other two films, one's about her mother and another one's about her auntie, and it's women who are going through various stages of their lives, f- challenging, a challenging period through their lives. So, skip that aside, I started watching the beginning of a new trilogy. This was a film two years ago by Kevin Smith called Tusk. Yes. Have you seen Tusk? Yes. Have you seen Tusk, Eva? I haven't seen it. Harry? I'm just right Have you seen here. Tusk? I was in, intrigued to see Tusk, in, but I never in, Interesting film. It was Kevin, re- Kevin Smith, who... Clark Stoddman, yeah, yeah. Morad, yeah, yeah. starring... The Just, Kevin Smith. Justin <laughs> Long. Uh, a very beautiful model. What was her name? Gen- Genesis Rodriguez or something. I can't remember her name. Uh, Latin American very Genesis Rodriguez was in Man on a Ledge I, th- I believe it may have been her and Hayley Joel Osmond and Johnny Depp was in it surprisingly enough playing a is it Quebecois shows how far their career slough devil <laughs> <laughs> well it's just it's just a cameo essentially isn't it? he's yeah. not in much well, he's, no, well he's I suppose he's in the final third of the film Plays I, an interesting I, part. Just, I just thought it was a cameo. I played. didn't even realise it was him at first. It took me a while to figure out who it was. Is what's his, is his character Guy Lafleur or something? <laughs> Some, something something very, very no, French. I know because I, I, I listen to Kevin Smith's podcast and obviously a lot of his film came from his podcast. But they invented this car- character of like a Canadian Mountie or whatever yeah. called Guy Lafleur. Yeah. <laughs> he was he was a he's French Canadian detective. Um. I, th- I think my main problem with the film was it, it was a, it's a comedy horror film. Yeah. But I think maybe it, it sort of delves into the comedy a bit and then into the horror. And then it comes back to a sort of a sort of emotional piece with Genesis. I, 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 it has these sort of one-on-one shots where she's talking to the camera because she's missing uh, the main character who's who's gone missing. 
Justin Long. Yeah, Justin Long. It was recommended to me by my sister who listens to this podcast. Does she? She told me, she told me not to read into it, just watch it and see what it is because she said not many people liked it. But I can see my why my sister like liked it because of this sense of humour she has. There are some funny, actually a few funny moments. I thought at one point there's a bit where the camera pans out quite quickly, sort of. I would say sort of the second half of the film where Justin Long suddenly realised realizes what he's become (laughs) 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 a walrus-esque man (laughs) (laughs) which which made me laugh out loud of course i had so much time to burn over christmas it's the kind of film you're going to watch when you you have no other worries it's it was interesting you're saying about the the sort of balance between humor and horror because the song that we brought up last week when discussing films i think you brought up well you were going to bring up grabbers and we started a conversation about grabbers is that a housebound and you talked about sorry housebound as well yeah housebound was actually the main one you talked about sorry but it's if you have a horror comedy or maybe a horror that's got maybe light kind of comedic broad strokes or vice versa it's all about striking that balance and you're exactly right I don't think that it strikes a balance I think that Kevin Smith's humour which he doesn't really adapt for a horror film because he's never really done a genre film before he's always just done Kevin Smith films with the same sort of as he calls them dick and fart jokes and the same sort of slacker characters except Red State which is actually an excellent film I actually think Red State is his best film that's that's a horror film as well that is kind of like it's a, like a, a, a social horror film about uh, it's, it's I don't know if you've seen Red State but it's essentially have, like yeah. it's uh it's not the uh, the ba- the Westboro Baptist Church, but it's a sort of representation of them on screen, yeah. and it's them kind of taking these boys captive for you know lusting after women, especially married women, not and trying to sacrifice them because they think the world's went to shit. But anyway, off that that film, the reason Reds that works is because the humor is very nullified, and it is more about looking at these really fucked up characters, and because it was more contemporary at the time, because the Westboro Baptist Church were making you know kind of waves in America and protesting all these soldiers' funerals, and you know uh, like. Uh, gay men and gay women's funerals and they, stuff again. Like they actually protest that film as well, didn't they? And they protest that film too. <laughs> but it's that because... Betty, he was banking on that. He's ah, like, they're definitely going to I know, like, this. you hear him talk about it on the podcast, he's loving all that shit. Oh, like, <laughs> he's, 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 he, Kevin's always says himself, he is Mr. Pelosi, like, he loves... Yeah, he's a media like, whore. <laughs> media whore, like a complete and utter media whore. But I think the reason Reds that worked and, and Tusk, or sorry, Husk doesn't, is that What? Tusk. Tusk, Tusk. sorry, Tusk. Sorry, Tusk. Sorry, uh, he's a husky man. <laughs> he's a husky man indeed. I think the reason that Toss doesn't work is because it's still the same sort of Kevin Smith humour, but then he's got these horror elements in there which are actually quite dark. And it's almost like body horror too, like Cronenberg-esque yeah, yeah. because of like the, the growth yeah. and shit that's happening on the main character. But it just doesn't fit. It's, no. just, it's, like, it's, it's like a roadblock. They're just knocking off each other. And Why it's does like it turn into... Like an elephant, or a walrus. <laughs> what? Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't really want to spoil he, it because my sister. No, I think sorry. Much everybody That's knows. Point, yeah. I just guessed. I haven't seen it, so Mr. Tusk. I could be wrong. I, I, but no, he he what he sews them into like a, t- yeah, a, walrus, a walrus suit. <laughs> 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 but I always remember I you being like, like quite a a big Kevin Smith fan. I was. I mean, he was like he was one of the first directors, like I would say most teenage boys and girls when I was about fourteen, fifteen. That I loved. Obviously, I, I, I had no idea about what the rest of five thought that the fucking cinema revolved around Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino, like most people that age do. But uh, 
I still do. I'm like, I mall rats when I was a, a, a kid was one of my favorite films, and I still love it and I still got a lot of charm. I think it still stands. Yeah, like it's, for it what still it stands. Is, I mean, for what it is, it definitely it still stands. I still got a lot of charm. It's quite funny, and I would love to go, go back and rewatch it. Are you looking forward to Mall Brats? No the sequel. <laughs> 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 They're doing a second Mall Rats film called Mall Brats. Yeah. Is it their wings or something? No. Why is it called Brats? A- I don't know. <laughs> he said it's essentially Die Hard in a in like a shopping mall. You see, it's, 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 it is dangerous though because, like I was saying, he's got to do it well because you've basically trying you're stepping on um, what's Sean Pegg's second film. Sean Pegg, Sean Pegg, Pegg? Pegg? No, Simon Pegg's second film, Hot Fuzz, Hot Fuzz, where he does like action fillers in a English village. Yeah, all right, yeah, so good. But it's like. Just going off the Kevin Smith thing, I think that the whole Marlboro thing too is again kind of frightening because of what I said before. Is that Marlboro's is it is such a it's it's a fucking ultimate time capsule now. Like it is so nineties, it's ridiculous. And a time capsule, a time capsule, good. and Kevin Smith's films from that time period are just a complete not a representation of that time period of the nineties and that sort of genre now like you know slacking about a mall and stuff like that that was very much a, you know, a thing of its time I don't think that's going to work in the modern age I don't think his dialogue is going to work in the modern age obviously he's going to update it they make it speak to maybe the youth of today and there's going to be a lot more about technology in there mobile phones which he started to do in Tusk mm-hmm. but I don't know it just it's got big red writing all over for me like will it work have you ever tried to stand about in Forside these days you just get chewed on <laughs> you get chewed on I they've all keep, seen more keep your shifty looking <laughs> sorry that, that I was by myself and like had lots of empty bags maybe press <laughs> bags I just like empty bags it's opportunity you know is that when you go to shop, I suppose? <laughs> that's what you see when you see an empty bag opportunity. opportunity if i was a teenager in Derry during st patrick's day i would be terrified to go in full side <laughs> why, why? because there were just fucking hordes of like gang like gangs of teenagers like hanging around like, all, all, all covered wearing, in green all wearing the vomiting green, green. watching each other drinking green but, when I was a teenager in Stevenage, if there was like large groups of kids in it, you just wouldn't go there because you'd get mugged or they'd do the, it wasn't a true mugging, they'd just go, oh, set us a pound, set us a pound. And he goes, no, no. And they'd just swarm me and go, oh, just come on, just give us a pound. Just give us a pound. Like, no, <laughs> right, oh, can, can, I, can I have a cigarette? Uh, no, no, I only have two left. Don't be lousy. Yeah. But don't be lo- What? Don't be lousy and ask me for the last one. <laughs> <laughs> they'd, they'd do that sort of. Not threatening, but friendly. Well, just come on, just come uh, on, just like it's like, sort it's, of it's, it's like a, a that's when you just the shout subtle, fire, su- fire, <laughs> the subtle kicking. <laughs> Essentially, it's that balled up there kicking. <laughs> there was one time uh, I was walking home. Someone asked me for a lighter. It was like I knew I wasn't getting the lighter back. I didn't even have a lighter. I had matches. I just didn't care because they're only match. They were all give you a lighter. Hey, give you a lighter. I was only had matches. Oh, fuck. I guess him anyway, and then they just ran with him. I'm so bye. We had ten beatboxes. What? Like, what? And they were all like, r- like fucking bodily laughing down the street. Oh, it's like bye. <laughs> 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 like money, phone in my pocket. They just wanted the matches. Yeah. This? Honestly, Paul, you're really not doing me the service. <laughs> I can easily buy or part win or fucking ten p. Um, I think this red wine has had enough time to breathe. Oh, I have a taste of the Racco. All right, I'll, I'll I'll tell you what it's about. But it's actually now called Rico because I changed yes. it to a pen. Oh, it's not in the back. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just scribbling here. Changing the A to an I. Rico Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, there's another one. Rico. <laughs> 
Oh, oh, this goes already. Rico is a breeze that blows through the Chilean Central Valley, widely recognized for its exceptional wines. This Cabernet Sauvignon is a rich wine of intense ruby color. Can you see that? Yeah. I know you vibe. can't, listeners, but it's, <laughs> it's ruby red and rich. Um, with aromas of plums and ripe berries. Kind of smells like bombs, but that's fine. Uh, or maybe it's just this room. <laughs> uh, a perfect structure. Ideal accompaniment to red meats, pasta, and strong cheese. Strong cheese. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like a fucking chili. fever dream. Or <laughs> Here we go. I'm going to go first. Do you mind? Go. Go for it. Go now. Are we, are we drinking out of the bottle? I've read it. Of course we are, Kiva. need you We ask. don't have glasses. Rico. <laughs> it's very plummy. How's it you feel inside? It's plummy. Plummy? It's good. Plummy. Plummy as in plums or plumish? I don't know, it just said plums. So <laughs> What's plumish? Not plumbers. Plumbers? Yeah. Oh, right, okay. Like the well, profession? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have no Does idea what you're talking about. Like <laughs> <laughs> rusty pipes. Uh, it like rusty pipes. By <laughs> <laughs> the look on Harry's face, it did. <laughs> what do you reckon, Harry? That tastes like a rusty bath. Have you ever had red wine? Do we have an empty glass? Yeah, wine near enough, do you? What are you going to say? I'm not a wine drinker, though. But There's a drink called a Kelly Moho. I might be pronouncing it wrong. It's 50% red wine, 50% cola, any kind of cola, plus ice. Apparently oh, it's pretty that's, good. that's, you know, and, uh, from the Basque country. Exactly, Jennifer. it's the national ah, drink of the Basque region. Is that what that the is, Basque though? Country. I've heard it, but I didn't know it was that mixed. Yeah. Jennifer, Jennifer and Brogan drink it all the time. Well, it, is, well, it is pretty good, though. Don, formerly of this podcast, for five or six episodes. A, R.I.P. Don, Don Fags, R.I.P. He he was drinking red wine and coke one time, but me and Shan just put it off as ashtray wine. <laughs> Smell <laughs> like an ashtray. It's like it as well. You do, you do need to have a chilled though. I know. You see, Shan put it perfectly that it tasted like coke that had sat next to a radiator. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? Now I'm thinking about it, we laughed that man out of the room for that combination. And no wonder why he left this podcast. He's probably the most cultured man we've ever had on here. Oh, fuck him. Once I drank, um, <laughs> I drank Heineken that was really warm. I stole it from my mum when we were in Bondoran or something. I don't know we were staying in this house. What age were you, Kiva? I was about 14. <laughs> 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 no, I was, no, I was 14 and a half. And I uh, stole warm Heineken and it tasted like an ashtray. Mm. It was pretty it's good. So I think that's always the way, though, one of your first of fucking drinks. I remember the first can of fucking Carlsberg I had, which is probably the first drink I ever had when I was about 14. That tastes like fucking lava, just because I couldn't handle it. Just that explosion alcohol in your mouth. You're like, ah, no! But you're trying to act cool, so you're holding your <laughs> mouth, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Kiva, is it possible that your mum could have been using that bottle of Heineken as an ashtray? <laughs> I, have, I have had this thought. And then I'm trying to remember back to opening the bottle. <laughs> I can't remember opening the bottle. You certainly we got that ashy texture, would you not? Someone did say my teeth looked really dirty. But I thought that was just they were talking about my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Could it be wee bits of ash floating on them? I'm about to try Racco. Well, actually, the drink formula known as Racco, no Racco. Cabernet Sauvignon, 2015 vintage. Well, it's quite like nice, it. I enjoyed it. I didn't like it. I'm not the red wine, and I fucking stalled that. I'm stalled that on the red wine. We need an empty glass so you can try it. With yeah. Coke? No, but we need ice. Do we have ice? No. No, we have no ice. You that's, can't try it. <laughs> Mikey doesn't I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Shan. You cannot have it. <laughs> <laughs> that's me wrote off my eye. That's not Rico. 
Sorry. Oh, man. Okay, so let's move into... Topics up your face. Perks. Pissang topics. <laughs> uh, we never find out what pissang is. I want us pissang. Give me some of that pissang, by the way. The pissang has been well, fucking pisang, neglected. It, just, it makes me think it's Southeast Asian. Pissang. Hey, pissang. Maybe it's like a, a translation of the word banana. Mm, possibly so. Okay, possibly. what country? Go. Philippines. Oh, <laughs> that's not bad. <laughs> That was not bad. I was going to say Philippines. I fucking had to go for my second guess. Like, there's there's lots of languages in the Philippines. Indonesia, though. Spanish, Tagalog, Ooh. which is the main. I think each kind of island. What is it like? Eight thousand eight hundred yeah, islands or something. Yeah. And each island. Well, I'm not sure if every single one, but most of yeah. them have like a native language, yeah. plus a general kind of Filipino language, plus so literally every Filipino they, they I've met can speak English. Speak English with mm. uh, and a Spanish accent, which is yeah. quite. Interesting. So it you you kind of just covered a lot of languages by saying Philippines. Yeah. So they like it's that. it's like the best guess you could give. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, it's a calculated guess. Um, I'll we'll go off with my topic first because it's just a really quick one that I just wanted to bring up, and it's about Star Wars. Bang! It's been it's going into its fourth week now of release, fourth weekend. And it's made shit loads of money. <laughs> Who knew? Is I know. Oh yeah, it made a. It was the fastest film ever to make a billion, and it made a billion in twelve days. Jesus Christ! Beat, it, beat no Jurassic World. It made a billion in thirteen days. Just pop the, pop them dinosaurs, close, man. Close. It it's it's broken shit tons of records. Like biggest opening weekend in America, it made two hundred forty nine million. <laughs> Jesus. Second weekend, what was? Oh, can I make? It was like one hundred forty nine million, and. The fun fact about that is only eleven. Apart o- from all the money, <laughs> no, no. But this this is on its second weekend. It made one hundred forty nine million. Only eleven other films have made more than that in their opening weekends. Jesus Christ! <laughs> so, including Star Wars. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh it's beaten Avatar for the American American domestic amount as well. Uh, Avatar had made seven hundred and forty-nine million in it's in, in I in America, and Star Wars: Force Awakens has made seven hundred and sixty-four million so far in three and a half weeks. In three and a half weeks, and it's it's only going to go up. Like yeah. I, I think it could possibly break a billion, which would be, it'd be the first f- film ever to break a billion in America. Yeah, yeah in domestically. Too. Fuck. But okay, so overall, worldwide, it has made. Where's my Where's my numbers? Uh, again, this after three and a half weeks, one point five billion. Jesus Christ! In three and a half weeks, and that is only the box one, office. One and a half billion. That's only the box yeah. office. Never mind the merchandise. Never mind the fucking uh, advertising. Never mind every other fucking we string their boat. They have on their money ways. Like Jesus Christ! Now Avatar made two point seven seven seven. Two, two, three, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> two point seven and a bit billion, and uh, so it has has one point two billion still to make. They beat Avatar. It should be able to beat that because Avatar yeah. was a bit of a shit film. After all. <laughs> yeah, I, I never liked Avatar, and you know, kind of part of me, even though I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, but I really like Force Awakens. Just once, it they beat Avatar because I just 
kind of gripes me that the highest grossing film of all time is a very limited film. <laughs> one of the most yeah. basic fucking stories yeah. of all time. Really and cliche. It's yeah, just it's Jimmy just Cameron funny. knows how to fucking sell a he film. Sell I mean, he's, right. he's one and two, like he's Avatar and Titanic. One and three now, is he not? As, as first no, of for, Titanic. no, Titanic is 2.1 billion. Oh shit, so he's still got the top two for a yeah. while. Yeah, he's still got there. Well, I think he's going to be two and three soon enough, but still. Well, uh, well this, this is kind of what I wanted to talk about. Do you think Star Wars can beat Avatar? Now, now that it's all, it's 1.555, so 1.2 billion will get it over the top of Avatar. It has released in China, I think just today. So it hasn't even been released in China yet. So it's going to make them Chinese dollars. Mm-hmm. Although apparently it, Star Wars isn't that big in China. They've, they've done a, they're doing a big marketing push for it in China now. Well, that's because it wasn't when the first Star Wars trilogy was released, you're still in sort of the grips of Chairman uh, Mao is still in control of China. Yeah. Oh, right, Although yeah. at, the, at the same time, though, Dom's exactly right because they haven't been exposed to the franchise, so they don't know the actual sort of cultural. And in China, they they have so much weird shit going on in their history yeah. that they just have their own historical films, like they have their own historical epics because Chinese yeah, civilization is that old. Chinese cinema essentially is just propaganda cinema too. It's all about promoting the state. It's all about promoting, not always propaganda cinema, but yeah, a lot of it ends about promoting their lore and about their like uh, historical culture. It actually has a, a massive market in its own right that you don't hear about because well, it's I a think, kind of big I recluse. think a lot of Christopher Nolan films are propagating American style. Yeah, no, hundred percent. But I'm just saying, in regards to Chinese cinema, a country of a billion people, you don't. It's it's incredible to me that you don't hear about a lot of Chinese cinema, considering it is mass produced for the hundreds of millions of people that live there and for the over a billion Chinese people that that are on fucking airflick. But but do you not hear about it because you're not? Do China. we don't know about Chinese lore? We're not Chinese. That's like, no, we, I just I don't, think it's, I don't think it's sold over here. I think it's just. It, I mean, in regards to Chinese cinema, I think it's just a problem in general with foreign cinema as a whole. It's. I don't think that there's a big market for it in general in the states or, or in the UK or in Ireland because I think that to see films like that, you would have to go to an art house cinema. Derry doesn't even have an art house cinema. There's only one art house cinema in the whole of Northern Ireland, which is the, the QFT down in Belfast. And even the QFT, you know, you S- think of the amount of films that are released in different countries every single week. There's two. Where's the other? There's the uh, Travel Lodge. <laughs> 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 it's surprising, though, because um, not so much you hear about them all the time, but, yeah, you're talking Ghibli. It's a lot of Japanese anime um, there's a lot of like Korean horror that does really well. Like I've never really, I don't think I've ever watched I a think, Chinese yeah, film. I because I don't think. you've got to, it's, we're talking, we're going into geopolitics. Really I understand. There's cut. Yeah, I, it's probably and a, as well too big a thing to, to get into. Studio Ghibli and the lecture saying J horror and stuff like that. Far more accessible genres. Mm. You got children's mm. films. You got horror films, which translate very, very well over the art markets because they are also big genres over here. When you have Disney distributing Studio Ghibli, like of in course, and not stuff. even just not even just Disney, Fox. Yeah. Like there's a lot of that's yeah. That's going to be slight on the market, no problem. There is ever. only one TV series that's done well in China and done well in Western Europe. I don't know if it ever made it into America. Do you remember Monkey Magic? Yep, Monkey Magic. No, what the oh, fuck what is that? Monkey Magic? Though it's the story about the Buddha. Yeah, no, I've never. It used heard to be on Channel Four at like half twelve yeah. at night. It was Japanese made. Who was allowed up at half twelve at night? Well, I was. My mum didn't know, right? <laughs> 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 uh, it was Japanese made, but it's it's sort of based around like the early travels of uh, the Buddha around 
well, around northern India, yeah. but it's it's sort of monkey set in Germany. Madness. It has pig, pigs magic. and magic. Yeah, yeah monkey, monkey magic. Monkey madness is like a show on uh, the nature channel <laughs> <laughs> or discovery. I'll watch that. And it's a slang word for drugs. <laughs> oh, hi. Has it? I've spiked you all tonight. The person who played the Buddha was actually a woman. Yeah. And then she died of cancer very young as well, which was a bit of a tragedy. A bit controversial at the time as well when I was out there. But I think in regards to Chinese cinema, like we were saying, concern as a country of one billion people, I think the reason that it doesn't get out there as much is, first of all, because of the problems of maybe our Western market not really taking in as many foreign films. And we only seem to take in the foreign films that really stand out across the globe. Because if you think to yourself, right, considering there's one... Uh, art house cinema in Northern Ireland so we're very limited in the scope of what we can see two as he says uh, well two Damsic because <laughs> the travel lodge as well so we'll say two just for, we'll say for two two for Damsic but concerning there's one four slash two art house cinemas in Northern Ireland Four. you think the amount of foreign cinema is released every week now it's hard to keep up with even the domestic market it's hard to keep up with the American market of the amount of films that are out every week because you're talking maybe at least 15 to 20 films every single week do you think a wee bit like now I don't know too much about it I've never been out that far east I've never been to China but back east I've I've heard that um, that the internet is very limited there and I think for me personally a lot of my source of information news film whatever is via the internet and apparently people who live there don't have the kind of access that we no, do you're totally right obviously it's a communist state and i mean it's not going too much on the politics we'll try and focus on, on the film aspect there but i mean like obviously north korea essentially has well they've got certain certain hot spots where you would say revolutionaries who are literally just looking to go on the fucking internet can find uh, Wi-Fi signals, stuff like that. Whereas China is quite limited too, and as I say, for a country of nearly a billion people, that's phenomenal. So they yeah, can really get their information out as much. You can't go on Facebook in China. Yeah, you no. can't go well, on you Facebook. Have, you have your own, <laughs> which you is obviously own, the most important thing. Basically, China <laughs> creates its own Chinese stuff, yeah. so it has its own Chinese Facebook, yeah. it has its own Chinese this, that, the other. They're also very guarded about their cinematic output because they're still quite closed country I mean they might be the, the new world superpower but they don't like releasing their own cinema well not they don't like releasing but they're very geared about it because it's about their own history and it's it's relevant to them and they want to kind of keep it within their own culture I'm so it's so very curious. rare I'm I want to know what's but, going on but actually like about the kind of what they let into the country as well because yeah. like even like recently they only let like gaming consoles be allowed to sell there yeah like you, you what? like I like they only just let like PS4s and Xbox Ones be sold there recently, and before that you would have had to buy like a knockoff PS3 or whatever on the black market or something. I don't mean to be like crude or like ignorant. I'm definitely ignorant, but isn't most of this shit made in China? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I think the reason why they did that is because in Japan and Korea, which. China would have been very aware of the people dying of being addicted to gaming, especially yeah. in Korea. Well, yeah, it's like a sport that, what do you call it? Starcraft. Starcraft. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's, I mean, I would rather be in a tournament playing Starcraft, getting loads of money and having loads of people watch me than sit in, I think there's a guy who played like Call of Duty for like 10 days straight and didn't leave his house and died somewhere in America like Jesus Christ. fuck it make it into a sport not a <laughs> how does that even competition yeah. how do you die from video games <laughs> you know when you, uh, you uh, order dominoes and you say driver's instructions yeah. he was giving them the code to his house they bring oh it just right word. in front of him 
like he, just, he and, just and just the driver had an idea. it was pure like uh, it reminded me of it was a news story it actually happened i don't know the details but it reminded me of seven that gluttony guy yeah. like it reminded me of that yeah. a lot fuck me how do we even start this conversation uh star wars is opening in china oh, <laughs> star wars opening in china so i mean it was something that me and mickey uh talked about this christ it must be like last year now when we were first kind of speculating about the force awakens and stuff and even though obviously i'm not the, the connoisseur of star wars that is mr wrestling me and him were both saying I don't, we don't we didn't think it was quite a big shout at the time because we thought it was pretty obvious that star wars would definitely go on to be the highest grossing film of all time and it's proven that already with shattering all these records and i would be astounded that if we're not sitting here in this time even in three weeks and it hasn't beaten avatar you reckon I swear to God, even especially with the Chinese release today and you can say what you want about maybe they're not being that much and finally with Star Wars in China but because Chinese cinema is so sort of in many ways one note I mean there's a lot of diversity in there but it can be one note in the sort of message they're trying to tell Chinese the Chinese audience they usually lap up anything western because it's very very different from what they have in their own domestic market. it's like market. a rarity it's a rarity well I mean it's like the complete flip over of like us seeing see jhar as exotic they see yeah, blockbusters definitely. as exotic yeah. you know what i mean that's that's on that they're not maybe uh exposed they does quite that often. mean that, that, that it's a kind of niche market because yeah well it, it exactly is it's niche well, because the, it's new and it's different the the highest grossing film ever in china made like 390 million i think yeah so if star wars breaks that say it makes 400 or 450 or even 500 Still doesn't get it the rest of the way. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, that, but no, that, that, well, like, that'd be a it's, good it's not, it's not like the domestic market in the Western world is done yet. It's only three and a half weeks in. There's still I know, I know, no, no, I And as I but, said, um, I still have to pay my, my four pounds. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? They're both going when, when are you going four pounds? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, sorry, I can't make it every Tuesday. Two for Tuesday. <laughs> well, I don't know how much does it cost? Like six pounds six or something? Six pounds, I see? always bring my own 3D glasses, though. I stole them from work. We got a big box. I know, it's still £6. It's like £8 if you need to buy 3D glasses. Or if you want the Star Wars exclusive 3D glasses, it it's like It just shows that I get oh. taken on a lot of cinema dates. <laughs> <laughs> I just buy popcorn that's £4 and I don't share. <laughs> <laughs> so FYI, if anyone wants to take me out to... Uh, your own popcorn <laughs> <laughs> but pay for a ticket <laughs> and also pay for a ticket I love as well right we see it's going to happen that Star Wars is eventually going to catch Avatar they're going to be sitting at 2.7 sohan sohan or billion each <laughs> and it's going to be the last day Avatar going to start sending out free shit if you go the last day in the cinemas and the last person to go to the last screen is Kiva Sweeney and she doesn't make it and you just come at it's like it sounds like a presidential election every vote counts <laughs> <laughs> like, do you know what Kiva see if you don't go there and make that the highest grossing film of all time nobody's going to remember I'm that going film, on Kiva. the last day I'm going on say it's fucking Sean Coyle I paid for your ticket you bastard hey. <laughs> well just because your girlfriend didn't want to go and I was your substitute I'll happily be your substitute girlfriend whenever you want I will go again sometime. marriage in three months substitute girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> I've, 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 you know what's weird is like I've been Mickey's mistress the whole time and Jill don't even know I've been under her nose the whole time does she listen because you've just given it away oh <laughs> no, she, she stopped listening but anyway going back to how much money Star Wars is going to make I think it'll it'll, it'll definitely be Titanic I think it, it'll it be it'll be a stretch for it to beat Avatar I'm not saying it can't do it but I just think it it's it's a it's a big ask for it to do it well, because it's, it's not even I don't even think maybe 
it's about what film is better. But I think no, Avatar, <laughs> Avatar at the time had that, as you're saying, outside the first kind of proper 3D immersifying plus, world, you know? Plus, Avatar was in cinemas for like 35 weeks or something. It was what? like something stupid. Yeah, but I, was... think, but I definitely think because of the appeal that The Force Awakens is going to strike, not maybe to that level, but it's going to, I mean, like, we're three weeks in, I would not be surprised whatsoever if The Force Awakens runs for like an hour, two and a half months. Can I, can I ask, yeah, that's a, a question I was going to ask. Do you have a preset amount of time that you're allowed to run it, or does what, it just go from when what, you're what, 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 stop making money? Or? What I hear, like it's 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 uh, each each film's like an individual basis. Like the uh, the studio <coughs> negotiates with the with the cinema, but what I heard the the deal that Disney was doing with people is that they have to have it on for at least five weeks. Mm-hmm. And then from then on, it's yeah. like I, a... I, so, and then it's just up to them. Like if it's still selling, they'll still put on screens. Yeah, and that, that's what I was going to say. They don't really have any competition in January. No. Like no, no, no big films. Like the Oscar films are coming out and stuff, but they're not. They're never really like big money makers or anything. There's no big blockbusters coming out. At the end of January, you have like Kung Fu Panda Three coming out, which yeah. it, it'll get a bit of the kid audience, yeah. and it might take a few screenings. because that's what you need to think about but it. That's like, like day screenings, I, I would imagine. I see, but that's what you need to think about it. Is like, what films w- would they put on instead of Star Wars in its tenth week or whatever? Yeah. So what what can take screenings away from it? And I think Kung Fu Panda Three will do that. And then I think the 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 biggest film coming out after Air is Deadpool, which yeah, is like the, March. the the no twelfth of February. February is it? Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Class. So I I think by by Deadpool, if they haven't beat it, then they're not going to beat it. See, I, I think it it'll be drowned out by then. Even at that though, if you look at Kung Kung Fu Panda Three, that is kind of sort of dying franchise I, was, I wasn't surprised that it got a third but that doesn't seem to be that much I, the fact they're interest. releasing it at the end of January like it yeah, doesn't fucking fact, scream precisely when successful they, franchise it, it, is, it is really a kid movie well, I, mean, I know it is adults can enjoy but it I, too I, but I think it, it'll take screenings away from Star Wars if then. you don't have children you're not going to go see it in the cinema I don't when do you ever see a blockbuster children's film released in January like you know what I mean it's always usually around the summer but I don't think it's any coincidence whatsoever that the highest grossing film of all time Avatar was released in December and the reason that yeah. it had such a prolonged length of dominance is because like Mickey was saying besides the award nominees and usually and it's awful they say but films that are up for Oscars unless they strike a note with the you know the, the popular audience are usually nowhere near as high grossing as summer blockbusters the you know blockbusters are the money movies I like so, la- last year was the anomaly of American Sniper made like stupid money in America yeah. in January like, and it I think was like the highest grossing film of that year like, like we discussed as well I think it was the highest grossing or one of the highest grossing domestic films but I think the reason for that as well it's is just because a, there's such an affinity American, American <laughs> like you know what I mean and it's just more down to the narrative as opposed to the film but no coincidence that Avatar was released in December highest grossing film of all time no coincidence that Star Wars Force Awakens which was supposed to be released in the summer to yeah, compete with all our it. summer blockbusters if that would have been released in the summer and the same goes for Avatar against an absolute plethora of other like for like films and you know big glutzy would have been far too much competition and it would not have the both of those films would not have had the dominant no. streak that they've had I think that in a way I was actually surprised that after Avatar, a lot of maybe Hollywood producers didn't realise, oh fuck, you know what, maybe actually putting a blockbuster and not competing with the other blockbusters in the summer and putting it in December works because it fills a gap for the blockbusters because usually they're released during the summer and as well it eliminates all your competition. You know what I mean? No one ever do that before. But the the thing though with uh, opening in, in December, before Star Wars... 
there was there was always lower box office like weekend to weekend mm-hmm. and that's what like that's what kind of they look at is like the opening weekend second open weekend like before star wars the biggest open weekend i think was like 80 or 90 million yeah. it was like one of the hobbit films and as and it it, it only works opening a big blockbuster like in december if you're confident it'll have legs yeah, and, and star wars obviously will have legs and i think I, I think just uh, just fucking Jimmy Cameron has big massive blue legs, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> say big massive say blue, blue legs. legs? Like, hey, Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so slow. <laughs> but I think I, I think that was just it. I don't know for some reason people love to go see James Cameron's films, yeah. but uh, but I think hey, that's that's why. They they do still go for the summer market, and that's why Star Wars is going back to the summer market with Episode Eight. Yeah. Like they're they're opening that up in May, and so uh, it's it's an anomaly when someone does really great in December. You always you always knew Star Wars was going to do great in December, but they didn't even expect it to get as big as it did. Yeah, even and, that surprised them. Like yeah, they, they obviously were aiming. They they, they knew they were I, they, going to make they, a rebellion. But they they I they knew it was going to make a rebellion. They knew they were going to beat the previous record in December, but they didn't know they would break the all time record. Yeah. Especially the second week is like the eleventh or twelfth of all time for opening weekends as well. It's so ridiculous. Crazy. It's stupid amount of money. But as well as we say, Avatar opened in December. It didn't actually open that big. It yeah. opened like eighty million or something. Mm-hmm. But then the next week, but it, how much money did they make off three D glasses? But see, this, I, <laughs> this is the thing. With Avatar. No, and but, I think that this is the, the sort of unfair comparison of Avatar as well. Is that Avatar was the first film that brought on the dawn of the three D hype. And I think yeah. a lot of people who went to see Avatar, it was because it was very niche. That was the selling point, the fact that 3D was back and it was actually being done well. But see, that's that's another thing why it's it might be hard for Star Wars to kind of beat it because people were still... The people were being sold by for three D the whole three D experience people every might week. Not like, have like, cared about the film, the I director. People, they just cared about. Whoa, it was more just about be being 3D? there because it was, it was almost like a and, very strange. And the three D hype built and built, but what? the Star Wars hype built and it exploded. And now it's kind of even now, like the box office is going down. Obviously, it always does. But yeah. we, you just need to see where it plateaus. Basically, I mean, we're, we're going into the fourth That's weekend right. and. Like the first domestic, American domestic, it was what two hundred forty nine. Second was one hundred and forty nine. Third was like eighty million. So the That's fourth a big gap between. Well, it always it's, happens. It's 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 about a forty percent drop each week. And, and that's almost standard. I well, I standard is about fifty percent. Yeah. Basically, basically oh, if if you're if you're be- if you're below fifty percent, if you're like six sixty, that's a that's a bad drop. If you're if. Above. No, oh, like below, oh, drop I, <laughs> I hate maths. <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you're below fifty, like sixty, sixty-five, seventy, then that's a bad drop. If you're above that, like forty percent, that's that's an alright drop, essentially. Like that's a really that's a really simple way to put it, but that's that's kind of way it works. Like they always expect around a fifty percent drop from going the first week to the second week. But that's what I was going to say about Avatar. Avatar going to the second week didn't drop it made i think it actually made like one percent more it's definitely a word and of mouth sort of thing word, oh, exactly it's, it's, ju- it's just the thing that avatar is just this anomaly that it doesn't really make sense why it makes so much money i, I don't really see it as an anomaly fair enough if you look at the narrative itself i mean jesus christ if you're looking at oh how is that you know narrative the highest grossing film of all time if we were looking at that logic then certainly you know the apartment or taxi driver should be making four billion or something yeah. like that yeah but but, but it's, reg- it's the, the it, social yeah aspects but in regards that's exactly you talk the words in my mouth i think the reason that avatar stands out and why it i do still think that force awakens will break it 
and it will be a tough nut to crack but I think that the reason that Avatar have done so well is because of the 3D thing not only mm-hmm. because it was this hype around 3D but I think that a while a lot of people like one of you just sit there they weren't actually that interested in the film but it was almost like a social thing like oh have you seen this new I 3D went to thing see that's it. happening you in cinema it. it's yeah. like oh, don't, I don't give a fuck about the film but apparently this is the new thing in cinema this will kind of go down in history and it has went down in history now as being the new way forward and you can say that you went and seen it because this is different you know what I mean so it kind of went outside the actual film and the product of the film and went more on the like a sort of social thing a cultural thing yeah which is it's definitely fair enough, true I will yeah. agree with you in that regard that it's got Force Awakens fucked on that on that stance yeah. because I don't think any other film well not any other film but it'll be very tough for a, a film in the future who's going to try and break Avatar or be at Force Awakens record I think maybe if they have that if and when Force Awakens breaks the record that Avatar did, it'll kind of give it more more leverage and stance because it didn't have what Avatar yeah. had and that yeah. you want to tell your mommy's uncle's cousin's yeah. wife about it, go see it, go see 3D, go see... It's not about that. Like, uh, if, it, if it breaks it, it's going to be about the, the, the film yeah, and... I, and how it's made I, in the I cast, think we'll so. get, I mean what's what's Avatar now 2009 is it about 7 years old now 2009 and even like and it's crazy to say even though it's the highest grossing film of all time which we've stated several times over the course of this topic but is it? <laughs> is it I? but even though it is do you, when you say grossing do you mean it's gross? it's gross eh? that's what I it's think it's just blue <laughs> people what's that about? But, <laughs> uh, you're rotting so gross <laughs> I think it's no coincidence whatsoever that even I would say within a year maybe even fucking less than that from when Avatar was released <gasps> there was this huge backlash to it you know what um, I mean and I wouldn't even say it was a backlash to the fact that people realised that his narrative was pretty naff and it had like your usual Tanier James Cameron dialogue and the story had been done 10,000 times before and wasn't that interesting but it was more a backlash as well that everybody was duped by it like everybody was like oh this is Avatar this is the new beginning and then 3D as it does every fucking 20 years came and then went again and fair enough 3D is now again clinging for life and people are just kind of making films and then re uh, what's the word I'm looking for transferring them yeah transferring them in basically into 3D as 3D is an afterthought but it is a dying fucking niche again, and this yeah. happens all the time. But it's 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 because people don't use three D properly, and I've went on a three D rant before in this podcast, so I'm not going to do it again. But just yeah. like as you said, three D does kind of pop up once a generation, kind of like usually every twenty years. I like well, I you had in the fifties, eighties, in the fifties with uh, films like House on Haunted Hill with Vincent Price. And yeah, then, you know, and then was, like the eighties with like uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, stuff. and like my bloody Valentine. No, not my bloody Valentine. Like the some of the sci-fi released in the eighties, and then yeah. recently, and of course at, at the the Norter, the Norter. <laughs> but yeah, so it does pop up and. I think 3D can add something, but it's only when it's used right, and it shouldn't be every fucking film, because not every film uses it properly. But anyway, uh, just to round off this whole thing, it has 1.2 billion more to make. I think it could do it at a stretch, but I think it's still a big ask. And as I said before, I think it's it's down to what Star Wars plateaus at, and when it's consistently making like, like 30 or 40 million domestically, and however much, like internationally like consistently every week and then like if there if there stops being a drop off and just seeing how much money is making week by week and then you can you'll have a better idea of if it'll actually crack 
Avatar. This is a this is another kind of rookie question, but um, you know the budget that goes into a film. Yeah. There's a segment of that put aside for marketing, I assume. Yeah. So marketing the film, whatever way you want to do toys. Oh, well, no, the the, the blah, budget blah, of the blah. film is the film. Marketing goes on top of that. Yeah. Then. Right. Okay. So on top of that, but I'm just gonna say maybe it was super popular because I did see Star Wars. Oranges, <laughs> a pack of oranges. Was it we BB? They were Star Wars oranges. Yeah, they were like regular oranges that had just like a black label that said Star Wars well, on he, them. I was like, no, because if you made like Star special Wars Star Wars oranges that had the coloration of BB-8, everybody, like, oh, they're putting chemicals in your oranges. No, but no, <laughs> they were just orange color. They're just giving. Just like they're just giving label, good, label, good, label. good fresh, healthy oranges. Think kids like then trick and tricking kids and they buy in Star Wars shit. Well, or if you're gonna trick kids and they buy in Star Wars shit, I would no, rather tri- tricking kids and they buy in oranges because, because it's Star Wars. Wars. Yeah. But I think that's probably the good point. Not that our fucking oranges are all like chemically amazing; they're all perfectly circled, oranges and steroids. super orange and stuff. But I mean, super orange. If you're gonna buy fruit, no, that's I'll, I'll be out in March with Batman vs Superman. Batmana, I bat Batmana versus Super Orange. <laughs> super melon. <laughs> Super mango. I was going to say super mandarin, but then I thought that was absolutely That's awful. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that, was that was my favorite, though. <laughs> okay, we shall move on. So we shall go into recommendation. I ran out of breath. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you. Um, somebody raised their hand. Uh, it was a close one. I think it was Shan. Got it first. Bang. Uh, my recommendation this week is Inner World. Uh, written in a world. In, in a world. In a world or inner world? In a, in a world. In a world. <laughs> no, I know enough that you bring that up. I'm going to write that in capital letters. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? You would, Kiva, personally, I think you would absolutely adore this film. Yeah. Shan, please do it in a voiceover voice. <laughs> the voice. Kiva Sweeney. I think you would love this film, but uh, you anyway. to more like Ghostface. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm excited or scared, but I like it. <laughs> uh, essentially, it's wrote, directed, acted in, and I think produced by uh, Lake Bell. Uh, like we we're just talking about trailer voices, it is such an interesting narrative because it is about her trying to break into the trailer voice fucking business right. there is three people who've got a stranglehold on the trailer voice business which is actually truth in television it's actually yeah. true like <laughs> there is three people who have a stranglehold on Hollywood voiceovers and they're all men and it's her as a woman trying to break this market and it's just her sort of escapades around Hollywood and I don't know, first of all it's a very funny film second of all it's got a very interesting subject matter especially if you're a film fan because it's a subgenre of film that are a subgenre of the film business that you never really hear about that much or you never really see the inner workings of. So that alone makes it interesting. Lake Bell, I think, is one of the, I wouldn't say undiscovered, but one of the most underrated comedy gems in her yes. country. She yeah. should be a lot bigger and hopefully she will be a lot bigger very, very soon. She should be hopefully the next Tina Fey or Amy Poehler because Ooh, she is ridiculously yes. talented. Not the same sort of humour, but ridiculously talented. And she's just, and it's such an easy thing to say, but she's so likable. She's just she got is, such yeah. an easy charm. Like, yeah. 
She's got such an easy charm. It might be an easy thing to say, but it's not an easy thing to capture. Precisely. To be like, precisely. Well, you know. And the fact that she makes it seem so nonchalant and it's that almost sort of Newman-esque charm as I always that Paul Newman sort of off the cuff, I'm just here and I don't really care what's happening attitude. She pulls that off perfectly. And I mean, she hasn't got that big a filmography. That was her directorial debut and it's the only film she's made so far as a director. But I would love to see more stuff from her because it is so distinct and it's not... You know your standard rom com. It's not a body movie. It's a it just it's a very standout first directorial feature, especially in regards to a comedy, which is about such a, as I say a, a small subgenre. So definitely give it a go. Boop boop. Uh, my recommendation this week is a film by Danny Boyle. Yes, Train Spotting. Uh, hey, tell us what the film is, and we'll confirm. So, uh, <laughs> train, train spotting. Train spotting. Train spotting is the film. Um, I'm a fan of Danny Boyle, but I'm also a massive fan of Urban Welsh, who wrote the book yeah. Train Spotting, and he's wrote subsequent sequels and prequels in phonetic Scottish, which takes you about a few pages to get in there. But once you're in there. <laughs> I thought I was Scottish for about a week of reading it. I was being, I didn't care what you're on about. Yeah, but I know it's not very Scottish. It, 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 reads, like, it reads like a dairy man on wingers. Like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, um, why do you call the sequel to Train Spotting again, though? Porno. Is it porno? Because they're, they're making that now. Oh, porno is the sequel, and then the prequel is called Skag Boys. Yeah, Skag Boys. Yeah. Um, I know, I think they're making the sequel now, way the original cast. Yeah, exactly. I think they, they've got literally everybody on board for it and i'm not surprised i me personally i was quite young when i watched this the first time and not that i've ever wanted to try heroin or anything like that what? 27 <laughs> years heroin free <laughs> that's um, really not an achievement given. <laughs> do, do, are you do, serious do, that's an achievement do you go to like like uh like Addicts, fucking meetings and all. But I'm 27 years free. <laughs> and they look at me and say, "You look like you're 17." Yeah. And I said, "She could have been a crack baby and technically got off a look." You know, I had a past life. Know. <laughs> you know, you never know. No, but I, I find this film disturbing and refreshing, and I think it's definitely worth a watch. Um, Train spotting. Boom. Do it. Also, well, the heroin or the film. The film. <laughs> <laughs> also, the first public screening of that film was in our very own Derry. Bang bang, baby! No way. Fun yeah. fact: this I is didn't Mike. even know that. This is Mickey's party piece. He pulls it. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's a good party piece. <laughs> no, it's because uh, it was Danny Boyle brought it to the Foil Film Festival, but uh, yeah. but he won the he won the screen it before it was actually in the film festival. So they showed it to the students that were doing the film course at the Nerve Center. What Class. I did, however many years later. <laughs> I didn't know that. Very good. Sean, Heart. Heart. one of the f- uh, one of the f- the first time I ever appeared in the podcast, you said your ma ran into Danny Boyle yep. one time. Yep, she met him and she uh, asked him to give me a job in his next film, and then he walked away. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play for trying, anyway. Yeah, you know I mean, and now I've obviously got this. Massive podcast with at least three hundred thousand listeners every week. So fuck you, Danny Boyle. You know <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll so give him a fucking job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, though, I I didn't even say anything yeah. about train. Right, in five seconds, train spotting. It's a group of people trying to make money to get heroin, but also to try and make money and change their lives that they're never going to change because they love heroin. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Harry, 
The film I would like to recommend this week is one of my childhood favourite films, which is Hook. Ah, yes. <gasps> one of uh, one of Lita's going to bed films, as I call them. One of the first She was watching I it last night. <laughs> watching at the cinema. Like, it, <laughs> going it's to bed. It's been fucking years, man. It's what, like, see if I mean, my man and I have loads of pictures of me sitting there watching it with a VHS cover on it. Like, <laughs> one of those big massive ones was about four or five. I love this film. Although, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, Spielberg. Yep. Yeah. 93? 92, 93. Dustin Hoffman. 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 Dustin I was okay. going to say, ask the Belfast man. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was quite Paisley-esque there for about the <laughs> <laughs> See, that was the next you're, bit of the joke. <laughs> you <Hey>. fucking bastard. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. If you we start say again, you no. Can, no to if you want to start again, you can, but if not, then not fucking just go ahead. I'm sorry for that interruption. Well, like, remember a couple of months ago, I was saying to you, there was a few uh, hidden bits in it. Like, Aye. wee cameos. Like, remember when... Robin Williams is first taken out of the bedroom by Tinkerbell. Yes. Right? And then the fairy dust falls on this couple on a bridge. Yes. Right? That couple is actually George Lucas and Carrie Fisher. Fuck off. No way. Right? Okay. And then, see, whenever he arrives in Neverland, you know, <clears throat> Robin Williams is sitting there wondering, and then Captain Hook appears and says, uh, you know, I want, he picks out a pirate who bet against them against getting Peter Pan's kids. Yeah. And then, your kids. I and see the one is he, Got your kids, Penny. <laughs> <laughs> I got your kids. And I continue. Oh, I'm having a hard time on this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got it. Mine is thinker. Sorry. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you see the um, way Captain Hook went and says that put put them in the boo box, as he calls it. Oh, why? That is Glenn Close. Fuck off. All these weekends with Spielberg pulling the strings behind the scenes of Crafty Bastards. And why else do you like the film and summarise it? Not summarise the plot, but summarise why you like it. Your feelings and general things about it. It's just the the whole... It's different from what you hear. The Peter Pan is a boy who never grew up and then... Whereas this is a story about Peter Pan who left Neverland. And actually grew up. He grew up and his main reason... And then I was only watching it in the last couple of years... yeah, after finding out the reason why he left it is to grow up, become a dad, and have a family. Aye. And do you think that? And I, it's my personal opinion that the reason that that film works a well lot is just down the end of song that me and Keith were talking about there, and it's just the complete and utter natural charm of Robin Williams. Yeah. Like I, I, I actually think it's near enough and impossible to dislike it's, him. It's also about him. He's grown up and become, and he's kind of become the very thing that he fought against when he was younger. Yep. And then by him going back, he rediscovers, you know... What it means, they be on forever. You know, and then I always love that scene where he goes and discovers his old hideout. What reminds him of it is he finds a teddy bear. Yeah. And then, you know, but overall, just watch that film. It's, it's a lovely a film. It's a lovely film. 
Good recommendation. I'm going to watch it again, I think, now after that. Definitely. My recommendation is a film with me in it. Uh oh. Huh? And not a film that I am in. Oh. The title of the film is A Film with Me in It. (laughs) (laughs) It's a. What an annoyingly smart title. (laughs) (laughs) You think you're so smart. (laughs) (laughs) In a world (laughs) where Michael Breslin is intelligent. Never happens. Um, <laughs> Sci-fi. No, it's a, it's an Irish film Bang. starring uh, Dylan Moran, Mark Doherty, and Keith Allen. Keith Allen seems they pop up in a lot of Irish films, and we continue. He loves it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's fucking David Doherty's in it as well, actually, the comedian. But uh, it's Isn't about Dylan Moran, a comedian. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Go ahead. We said that. I, I, no, I wasn't mixing them up. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I didn't think. I apologize. Sorry. Okay, it's, it's my fault, Kiva. I didn't explain properly. Sorry, I don't understand things. Go ahead. I okay, right. There's, there's been small, small discussions in the background here. Is it Dylan Moran or Dylan Moran? I don't give a fuck, right? Dylan no, Moran. <laughs> This is Mickey, you criticise me every week on how I fucking pronounce names like, you know what I mean? But I'm not that fucking low character. Right, well, what, what, what is it, Chanko? I'll well, say no, what. We would say Moran up north, but everybody seems to call him Moran because he's from down south, so maybe it's just a fucking oh. cultural thing. No, no, it's the, no, it's the other way about. If I was from Cork, I'd be called Quifa. Mm. It's the same. Quifa? Yeah, that sounds very insulting. Exactly. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not from Cork, <laughs> but that's the way we'll you say my name there. And we all know what a Quifa is Anyway, right. A film with me in it. Dylan Moran, uh, Mark Doherty, Keith Allen, David Doherty. Um, Michael Breslin. Obviously, me. No, it's about this, like, struggling actor, and it's it's basically just kind of what happens to him in one day. Dylan Moran plays his best friend, who also, he's a director, and he lives, like, downstairs from him in this flat, and it's kind of all about what happens in this flat. Keith Allen plays his landlord and stuff. It's kind of like a comedy of errors thing. Like, just one thing goes wrong and the next thing goes wrong and it just builds and builds until, like, you're in this position. It's like, actually, how the fuck did I get here again? You showed me this one night when I was fucking laying wrecked on your bed in your man's house. I'm just remembering this night. Apologies, but it's just coming back that I've actually seen this film. Oh, yeah. We won't talk about what happened that (laughs) night. Um, He ruined me. (laughs) (laughs) We were in the darkness. Okay, that's all we'll say. Don't say anymore. (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, it, I think it's it, I think it's a really funny dark film. Uh, like it's a kind of dark ruined comedy. me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a it's like a really funny dark comedy, and it's an Irish film. And as Sean pointed out before, we're an Irish podcast. We should point out more Irish films. Definitely. And I I think it's really good and really funny, and you won't know anybody in it, and just enjoy it. Mate. <laughs> Dominic Phelan. Dominic Phelan. Is it my turn? Is it? Keep it to thirty seconds, mate. Right, okay. You, you uh, can just tell me the title if you like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my 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 recommendation is What We Do in the Shadows, twenty fourteen film, a new a New Zealand film. Okay. Uh by the same director of a film I've recommended in the past, which is Eagle vs. Shark. T- Taika Yeah, he's got Wa- a- Watiti. Yeah. Which is a it's a great Maori name. Yeah, T- Maori. Tiki? 
Tika, 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 Watiti. Yeah, uh, aye. He's directing new, the new Thor film as well. Ah, okay. I think he got I, that off well, the back he, of he, what he, we did in the show. He shows. should do it as well because I was going to recommend another one of his films, Boy, which is it's his drama. Yeah, which I is heard that's pretty good. Um, Boy. It, um, I don't know. It's very, very funny mockumentary about basically vampires in New Zealand or modern day New Zealand. Now you've got to imagine New Zealand is. I don't know. Transylvania. Well, the way the way I explain yeah, the way I explain uh Britain to Ireland is that there's <laughs> there's there's loads of stuff going on in Britain and sometimes it's it's just a wee bit slower in Ireland. Yeah. There's loads of stuff going on in Australia. But then there's like a thousand miles between Australia and New Zealand. So yeah. my cousin from Derry is actually really bored of living in New Zealand. He wants to get out of there. Because he's like, there's there's nothing going on. <laughs> <laughs> Once Lord of the Rings how, left, we were fucked. However, <laughs> however it's, you know, New Zealand culture is a very nice culture. And uh, it's nice how Maori and European cultures seem to inter... Not greatly integrate, but integrate so much better. It's not about islanders. Mm. So, so much better in c- compared to everywhere else the British Empire went, where it just kind of tried to eradicate every other culture it m- came across. Yes. <laughs> anyway... Anyway, the film, <laughs> <laughs> the film, the, the film, the film, the film itself is uh, very funny, and it's very funny uh, like just these vampires that are kind of stuck in a at a, dis- a very distant time warp, and that just very low, subtle, dry humour that you get in Britain and Ireland and Australia and New Zealand. Well, we, we said that last week. I mean, it was literally what we do in the shows was literally brought up last week, and the reason that we said that Irish and New Zealand humour is very, very comparable is the fact that it's quite self-deprecating. It's, it's uh, we crazy were about how, how far again. away yeah. these two countries are, and I'm talking about Ireland, New Zealand, and how much humour that we share. Yeah. I mean, I've. I went to. I lived in England for four years, and I lived in north of England, which I I find is the most reciprocating yeah, of of our humor as yeah. opposed to the south. But watching these films now, I don't know anyone who's from New Zealand. I know a few a few Australians, but these films make me feel like I I'm laughing. I get yeah. their humor. We should Connect unite our borders. Why is that? Connect and we're so away. far away. Like it's it's amazing. I I think it's amazing anyway. We should drill a big hole in the middle <laughs> like a of the huge, earth. The but then if we, we met each other, would we not all be upside down? In the playground to dig a hole to New Zealand, <laughs> like I used to do. And that always works on that? Old, yeah. Sorry. Anyway. But no, that's my uh, recommendation. It was a, a really, really funny film. Sorry. I really like the subtleties it's, of it. It's a, it's a really hilarious film. Mm. And obviously, Jer- Jermaine Clement from Flight Jer- of the Conquest. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> Wait, he's just talking about the beast. Yeah. The beast. <laughs> 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 they're putting on I all their kind of <laughs> Transylvanian, see, I don't know, accents. I, I think we discussed that before, but what I love is not only is it the dry observation of very, very mundane life in New Zealand, especially if you're a vampire and you can't go out during the day, which is where most of fucking <laughs> life happens in New Zealand, but it's also the fact that each vampire in that film is from a different time period of vampire history and they all contrast so good like it's so well observed it's so hilarious because like the new ones like the fucking Twilight game you've basically got Albert Cullen 
fucking uh, Tom Cruise from Interview with a Vampire and, and Nosferatu yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, cool. and they're all lock him up they're all oh, no, I, I brought you some some blood are you happy <laughs> he's not happy but he will he will be <laughs> oh no he so ate the chip <laughs> oh no he, he ate the chip and obviously, Murray from Fire Conquerors was yes, his name. Uh, Reese Starving. Reese Starving. He 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 Play. makes a wee appearance yeah. as the head of a werewolf pack. Well, werewolves, not swearwolves. Oh, I forgot about the werewolves. Oh, I need to werewolves, not swearwolves, is possibly the greatest phrase ever. <laughs> I want it on a t-shirt. And that is always the kind of like I find even in like proper werewolf films, they're always trying to control themselves. And I find in this, they find. A funny way to yeah. do that, but I, you know what I loved it. It was almost like it was a werewolf boot camp, and he was their <laughs> he was their personal Stop! trainer. You know what I mean? Like he was trying to keep them in line. Because they all. What, pe- why they are you wearing jeans? <laughs> oh, I told you to wear tracks. Uh, oh, no, no, he's <laughs> like, you've just bought them. You're gonna be gutters. He's like, they're ruined. Them, they're ruined. <laughs> <laughs> you just bought them. Your wife's gonna be really nasty about that. <laughs> anyway, you're not gonna get any of these references unless you watch the vault. It's on watch Netflix. It. Watch it. And we shall wrap up there, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with us, you know, give make some movie references to us, and then we'll watch films and we'll get them. You can uh, sense, uh, find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, at Talk More Movies. Or you can email us, Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com. You can also like us, review us, give us comments on iTunes, ACAST, and also on Stitcher Radio. Thank you so much for this, and I've been your host, Michael Breslin. Shank Holzman, Shank Hey, yeah! Dominic Fadon, thank you very much. Hari. Yeah! Kiva Schwinney's dancing. Bye-bye. <laughs> Episode... 37, baby! Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. I don't know where he is, but I've just booked us five flights to New Zealand. We're going there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I can't. I can't go. <laughs> I've been there too many times. Did you redo? That's a straight Did you redo? Harry isn't going. Harry isn't going. He doesn't get the culture. We'll take the kangaroo with us. You slapped. Right. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.